Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date. I said welcome to Brother Date. It's a Star Trek's edition. Run for the hills! Uh, I'm Matthew. Why did you repeat? So you did that before. You've done that intro before. That exact one? You've done Welcome to Brother Date. I said Welcome to Brother Date before. Uh, did I do it like Foghorn Leghorn the last time? No, you didn't. You didn't. Uh, I say, I say. I should do it that way from now on. <clears throat> It is a Star Trek edition. Yeah. It is week uh, 42 of Star Trek. Happy Jackie Robinson Day. <laughs> Happy Jackie Robinson Day. September 12th. You know, he Jackie Robinson played Day. baseball so that we all could play in the baseball of our minds this podcast. I'm Judah. How, how are things going? Good, you actually didn't say your name. I said I'm Matthew. You were already complaining, though. You were already All complaining right. that I'd done that intro. All right, fine. I'm on top of it. Uh, things are going good. Uh, it's starting to cool down. We're at the end of summer here. Oh, yeah, it's still hot here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, otherwise not uh, not too shabby. Well, good. Well, then let's jump into it, then. I don't even have time for pleasantries. I, don't even, that was, I was being polite. Well, you shouldn't have asked how I was doing. I was being polite, and it's stupid to do that. Happy Jack right. Robinson Day. As usual, we watch, uh, we discuss the episodes in reverse order of last uh, last week's scores. Mm. Uh, so in fifth place last week, um, second time in a row, but still a rarity, was uh, the original series. So that means that this week we watched Obsession. This week, my favorite part of that uh, song is the harp sting. Yes. Does it twice in that clip. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the Wikipedia description verbatim, and I'm going to see if you can point out all the things that are wrong with it. Okay. Because the Wikipedia description is always real garbage. During a survey for tritanium deposits, three members of a landing party from Federation starship USS Enterprise are attacked... Their blood drained of hemoglobin. Fearing the killer to be a gaseous entity he had encountered 11 years before while serving aboard the USS Farragut, Kirk neglects an urgent rendezvous with the Yorktown for perishable medical supplies to instead hunt for the creature. So far, so good. While the Enterprise crew fails to find the creature using shipboard sensors, the creature attacks a second landing party, again draining hemoglobin out of two more crew members. Back on the ship, when Kirk learns that security officer Garovic hesitated to fire his phaser upon the creature, he relieves the ensign of his duties. Uh, yeah. Garovic is also the boy of uh, the captain of, of the, Farragut. the Farragut. 
from it actually Western comes out a little later, so maybe it'll be in the Wikipedia. Oh, maybe. <clears throat> uh, and he doesn't just uh, relieve him of his duties. He gives him a lot of shit about how he should have fired, and it's all his fault. Yeah. Chief- he goes and throws himself on his bed like a real baby. Chief Medical Officer Dr. McCoy, having reviewed the records of Kirk's previous encounter... See, this is what sucks about Wikipedia. There's no way I would say Chief Medical Officer Dr. McCoy. Yeah, it's the totally Y'all know who that is. Uh, confronts the captain over his obsession with the creature. As a young lieutenant, Kirk had hesitated in firing phasers at the creature, which subsequent, subsequently killed half the Farragut crew. Yeah. Though given accommodation for bravery, Kirk continues to blame himself for the deaths. Well, we're really switching between tenses here, aren't we? Uh, it sounds like it. Kirk maintains that the creature poses an urgent threat. Ensign Chekhov, yeah, you really would never say that, interrupts to report that the cloud creature is moving away from the planet. The Enterprise chases the creature until it turns around and advances on the ship. Kirk orders weapons fire, which has no effect. The creature then passes through the shields and into the ventilation system. Well, <laughs> I got so we'll talk about it. Lots of things to say about that. <laughs> Spock, now convinced that the creature is intelligent, which he has been denying the whole time, uh, points out to Kirk that since the creature cannot be harmed with conventional weapons, the captain has nothing to regret about his earlier encounter. Realizing that neither he nor Garavik could have harmed the creature, Kirk orders the ensign to return to duty. The creature finally leaves the ship, believing it to be heading to the Tycho system to spawn. Okay, this is not a good sentence. Kirk and Garavik beam down to the fourth planet with an anti-grav case holding an antimatter bomb. Yeah. With the creature about to envelop them, Kirk and Garavik beam away and the bomb explodes, annihilating the entity. Boy. Yeah, theoretically. So, the main thing that's missing from this description is that McCoy and Spock eventually go and challenge Kirk on his orders. Mm-hmm. They're starting the procedure to relieve him of command. They're starting again. This procedure happens a lot these days. This is a little different than the last one we saw, but I think it's because they don't believe him to be incapacitated. No, This is some other slightly different procedure. They believe him to be um, chasing space Moby Dick. Right. And he gives his reasoning, which is that if this is the same creature, it traveled a thousand light years in 11 years. Yeah. And therefore, it could go anywhere next and they won't know where it is. So that's why he has to stay and kill this thing. Yeah, they go through it all and at the end they are satisfied. And then, yeah, essentially they're like, yeah, well, I guess. And then, you know, they make best speed out for the Yorktown or whatever. Yeah. But uh, that's the main piece I think that's missing is that although... So Kirk is doing a little bit of a conscience of the king here, and we'll talk about it. That's the other episode where Kirk's troubled by oh, yeah. his past, right? Uh, the one with he... space executioner whatever? Yeah, Kodos. Kodos the executioner. <laughs> Thank you. He is spoon-feeding information to Spock and McCoy <clears throat> rather than just having a big sit-down right at the beginning yeah, and he... talking about the whole fucking thing. He brings up the records, the tapes, from 11 years ago, like five times before anybody actually pays attention to them. And he should have said, hey, these dipshits found dicoronium down there, I... and uh, so it's more than just a smell. I've got, like, a pretty good idea that this is the same deal. Yeah, Kirk can sense the creature. Um, he smells it. It's a sickly sweet smell. Yeah, like honey, the most disgusting substance of 1967. <laughs> he smells honey, and he, he it makes him very upset. Um, what was this thing? What was it besides Space Moby Dick? 
yeah, so of course it is Space Moby Dick. The initial treatment for the episode was Space Moby Dick. Crazy uh, that that and, was actually what it was called. Yeah, they just called it Space Moby Dick. Like, Gene Roddenberry was like, fuck it, let's do a Moby Dick. <laughs> just literally, like, I'm not even going to bother to try to come up with a plot. I'm just going to write Space Moby Dick down, and I'm going to push it across the table to somebody and be like, do this. So here's my takeaway from this episode. Mm. And it's cooked, because we all know they just wanted to do a Moby Dick. Uh-huh. Uh, intuition is a command prerogative. He does mention that many times. Kirk has a logical reason for staying to destroy the creature if and only if it is the same creature that he encountered a thousand light years away with the Farragut. Mm -hmm. It's the central question that can't be proved and has to be accepted on faith, right? Yes. So that's what the episode hinges on. Because if it's another creature, up until the fucking thing leaves the planet, they got nothing. Like... They could yeah. just leave it there. Honestly, they could leave it there, go do their mission, and come back. Just a do week it. Later. Just put another death penalty on this planet and or, say, or come back a week later. If you yeah, still come back in a week and it. blow it up or whatever. Yeah. Um. So, which of course is what they should have done. They should have just gone and come back. But right. So they are giving in because he ardently believes, based on nothing but his intuition, that this is the same creature. Yeah. And apparently, that's enough. And he literally says the words that it that it is. He does say intuition is a command prerogative. A command prerogative, right? Um, Star Trek talks a lot about the nature of command, particularly TOS and TNG so far. Mm-hmm. There haven't been that many command and leadership ideas in the other three to this point. I agree. Unless Cisco's you want to count, always... like, the storyteller, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Cisco. well, there were, like, three episodes in a row where that's where I came up with in DS9, but none of them were really about yeah. commanders, so to speak. They were more about what it takes to be in charge. Yeah, so, um, so this is the kind of ground that Star Trek often treads, and I guess there's some parallel in... Uh, like, our own lives and decision-making. Like, we can take something from this idea... Right. That that uh, intuition is something, and it counts for something, but it's not really helpful. This premise, because because no, we aren't in command, because uh, we're not in command. But also, I feel like in most cases you can do better than intuition, and this doesn't really tell us when to fall back on intuition. So, I don't think that it's a, a like a super good clear message. It's also not a high sci-fi take particularly. Hmm. The uh, the episode with the cloud vampire i mean there's a lot of sci-fi stuff going on here but it's, <laughs> yeah um, it is very 1960s the take itself sure. isn't really sci-fi so yeah. uh this is a four for me yeah my take was a little bit more cynical and we should say that at recording time we don't have ben's takes uh um, oh, that's true yeah it's not uh not the end of the world he can he can catch up but um uh, mine was more cynical. Unfortunately, all I could come up with was obsessions can be good because they can vindicate past failures and make you feel good about yourself Wolf. Kirk is haunted I'm by I'm guessing not... that ain't worth a lot of points. <laughs> he's, he's haunted by not firing on that creature 11 years ago. Eh, they find out shooting it doesn't do anything, and so he comes out of it feeling, like, real good. Real, just real good about himself. And it's all because he refused to stop hunting this thing no matter how many died, and no matter how many were threatened by plague on Theta-7. Um, that's a one. I mean, that's obviously a one. Right. Uh, it's the not a no-take, but it's not a good take. My backup take was intuition is every bit as important as information when in command, which is sort of the same thing as what you had. Yeah. But I didn't... I didn't. F- 
I felt like I don't think that they came out as strong. I don't think they come out as strong as it's every bit as important as information. I think that they don't. The reason that I'm not giving this higher points is I don't think they tell us how to balance it. Yeah, I wasn't being kind. I have to admit, I I could have thought about it in a way. Look, it's a dumb episode. where Let's I was cut like, to the chase. It's a pretty dumb episode. <laughs> yeah, I could have done... Oftentimes, I'm pretty good at it. I might have even done it with other episodes this week, where I just go, all right, if I'm being charitable, here's what you could glean from this episode, even if it's really not what they're going for. But I was... I think I was angry about all of the dumb decisions Kirk made in this one. Yeah. Um... I mean, there's no real criticism necessary of the take for what I gave you. It's pretty obvious. Um... But I really got to so talk. I got to talk, talk about this. execution because this is where most of this episode is. I think. Did that guy? Did Garavik have the impulse vent control panel in his quarters? I think only for his quarters. There must be one of those in every quarters. Every quarters has an impulse vent. It's the ventilation system, and it was said. I think so. My take on this is that this is like the fucking thing in your car that's uh-huh. got the. The arrows that go in a circle and the arrows that just go in a loop. <laughs> right. Am I circulating the shit air in here or getting the and shit like, air out there? You know, if you're like, ah, oh, shit, we're coming up on Milpitas. I better hit that button so that it's only circulating the air in here. Mm-hmm. So it like, only smells like that time I knocked over tangerine chicken and not like <laughs> Milpitas. But, like, there's no air out there. Yeah. <clears throat> it so is like, troubling. Why would you need it, that vent? In what? Why would the impulse engine vent ever yes. be connected when he first like, is knocks there ever that... is there ever a reason to vent super hot plasma <laughs> into, into someone's quarters, into the crew quarters? So when he first does it, he th- like you said, he's throwing a tantrum like a little fucking baby, and he throws he something is. across the room, and he knocks. I don't think you vent. mentioned this at all. Nurse no. Nurse Chapel brings him food, yeah. and she knows that he's going to be a sissy whiny baby about it. So she does some she does some play acting mm-hmm. where she pretends that she has a prescription for food on, mm-hmm. on one of those tapes. Which turns out to be something else. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but she gives him baby. this fucking soup or whatever, and he has a little fit. No, it's just a. If, sorry, it's just a plate of cubes. I forgot that it was just a plate full <laughs> of foam cubes. He has a little fit and throws the um, cloche. Yes. The, the up from the top of it, and it fucking hits the switch. That's not what's crazy about that. <laughs> no. What's crazy later is what Spock fucking moishes that switch. <laughs> He's so desperate. He hears the <laughs> opening, mo to the, e to the, and he, <laughs> and fucking, he just goes fucking goes for the snaps switch. Snaps it off. Snaps it right off, and then he's stuck. He's got to turn the whole TV off. He's got to unplug it. <laughs> um, So at first, I'm like, oh, that's going to come back to haunt him, but I don't know how, because I don't really know what that panel is. And then when they say it's the impulse vent, You're I couldn't like, think about wild. anything else the rest of the episode. <laughs> I just sat there going, wait, why does he have the impulse vent? Thing yeah, in it's just it just says ventilation or something, and I forget what the switch it's set to is. But when he hits it with the thing, it flips to bypass. <laughs> it's just it's bad writing on on a scale that's almost hard to believe. Like they just needed it to they needed him to f- somehow mess it up, D- but Matthew, they didn't because think- it doesn't even come up. No, I know it doesn't. They, they never. Uh, he does say to Kirk, oh, "I must have." I must have hit that switch when I when I was throwing something around the room or whatever. But like, do you think that? Anyway, yeah. What do you think we're supposed to think about Garavik doing this? Are we supposed to think that he is a, a real red blooded Halsey type for having yes. this hissy fit? I or, think so. I think uh, we are. So it's somewhat admirable, right? 
Yes, we're still living in the era where him rending his clothes and crying means that he cares about his job, a yep. passionate fellow, and that he's going to be a great commander someday. Okay. And, uh... And we know that they consider Spock an electric brain. Yeah. The episode Spock's brain isn't that many away. They hate his guts, and every time he gives rational orders, they question them immediately. Yes. Um, so anyway, that I couldn't think about anything else the rest of the episode. I didn't enjoy <laughs> the take. It's hard to execute on a take so bad that I came up with. Um, so I give it a two. It's a two for me. All right. Poor Star Trek. Um, yeah, I've got it sitting right at a three. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, they bury this episode in a bunch of dumb drama. Because Kirk spoon-feeds everybody what he thinks is happening rather than calling a conference and putting it out in the open. You know what Picard would do? <laughs> right, yeah. Do you know how Picard wouldn't, like, fume about it in his quarters and be like, yeah, I, did, you're I right. did bad ten years ago? Sometimes Picard even takes it way too far and he, for some reason, spends time talking to Worf and Troy about it. And you go, don't, you don't need to talk to them. It's not important. <laughs> they don't have anything. Just ask Whatever data. Worf says, you're not going to do anyway. Ask, so. <laughs> ask Data, ask Jordy if you really want to, ask Wesley or Riker, but that's it. Don't ask anyone else. So he he could have laid out his logical case for what he thinks was happening here at the beginning, and then the whole arc where everyone's like, but we gotta go do the medicine. Mm-hmm. You remember? You remember it's like in... Um, Every episode? Oh, shit. It's in... It's like in... Uh, What's the one where Jordy's in command where they have to go get the fucking medicine or take the medicine somewhere? Is that Angel One or is it? Um... Yes, maybe it's one of those. Oh, Angel One, maybe they all got sick on board. It was uh... Angel One. They all got sick. There are lots uh, of those though. Where they're it, like, oh, let's a just plague, say the so... most. We haven't done the most toys yet, but there's oh. a medicine subplot. Bro, there. there was a plague one in the one where Riker becomes a Q. Oh yes, go... yeah, that's right. Yeah, to go hide with... it and um. It wasn't a plague. It was a disaster or something. Is that hide and Q? Yes. Per That's chance. not a pun. I'm so mad at that. No, it's just inserting Q randomly into sentences. <laughs> um, and then the whole episode could have been about whether his intuition was a reliable basis for a command decision, which would have really strengthened both the premise and would probably have pushed you away from that cynical one. Yeah. Um, also, this episode is 180 degrees different from Kirk's behavior in Conscience of the King, where he, like... He really dragged his feet in that one. Like, yeah. he didn't want to believe that that old man could be Kodos, and he really did everything in his power not to look into it. Is that because he wanted the? Did he want to have sex with the daughter? I don't remember. I don't think that was part of I don't really think that was part of it. Okay. So, uh, they did bad. Yeah. It's kind of a bad episode. I gave it three points. Okay. Mm, was there some uh, universe building in here? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Um, Tritanium is twenty time, twenty one times as hard as diamond. Twenty one point four. Sure. Uh, I don't understand why that's important. It does no not. One, turn no one's out beef to be. with steel is not hard enough. <laughs> and no one thinks diamond is a great building material because it's so hard. Like hard things are generally very brittle. Yeah, I was gonna say you probably wouldn't want to build anything at. No, that doesn't that seem hard. like a good good material. Unless it's for cutting diamonds or something, right? Yeah. Or making... Uh, oh, maybe it's for cutting dilithium. Uh, like pressure anvils for pressure testing. Okay. Uh, dichironium, a theoretical element. Uh, disruptor B. 
We don't really get to see what that does. No, we know about phaser two. But it's two. something you can do with phasers. You can do it with phaser two for I sure. I know about phaser two. I don't know about disruptor B. That's a setting. Disruptor <laughs> B is a setting on phaser two. Uh let's see. At zero point I'm oh, sorry, point zero four light years put something beyond phaser range. That's pretty far, by the way. Yeah, it seems so like that's that not should surprising. Be. Yeah. That's quite far. Although phasers are made out of light, so it's kinda like is yeah, there but, a range on those? But they also definitely expand. They seem to expand actually pretty quickly. Ah, so that's why. Okay. Like, they're they're pretty cone-shaped. They don't stay focused very far. Yeah. 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 Uh, magnetic vacuum bottles. And uh, that anti-grav hand truck. Yep. I gave it four. I thought four, wow. four points. So what, the thing that I didn't mention in that list is, again, there's a lot of procedure. Uh-huh. There's that scene where... Spock and McCoy go to the thing and Kirk asks if they suspect that he's incapacitated or whatever. And Kirk and Spock says precisely as the manual says, you should ask the question. Mm-hmm. And then he says, and the correct and the response the manual prescribes is we have noticed certain behaviors, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And they go through that whole procedure. So again, I love that because it makes it feel like yes, Kirk are- and crew are not the first people encountering any scenario. Yes. Even though most things about Star Trek are wild, at least they are thinking about it. Yeah, it it, it just it smacks of the like effort was taken to make it seem like a real place. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yep. In in a way that Enterprise really, well, Enterprise is actually not the worst. Voyager and DS Nine really don't put that much effort. Voyager into and DS Nine have no excuse for being so bad at world building. DS Nine don't care. <laughs> It's just, like, Cisco just does whatever he wants all the time, and it doesn't seem like there are any procedures or even guidelines, so... And as we talked about a million times, the settings of those two shows just make it so unlikely that they would fall behind in that category, because you don't have to work that hard to break new ground in that universe. So, you know, this is not an episode that does any world-shaking world building but it, it it is a grounded in the universe episode so it's a four for me i'll say you talked me up to a three based on the procedure stuff i had it as a two initially i had the tritanium uh they're gonna rendezvous with the yorktown uh dichronium only exists yeah the yorktown and the farragut so we're learning some things about ship names yes dichronium only exists in laboratory experiments uh, USS Farragut, another ticking clock, plague on Theta Seven, antimatter bomb would be as powerful as ten thousand cobalt bombs. Yep, um, that is. But yeah, I'd say with the extra, more of the procedure stuff. Man, they are almost always mutinying. They're like just constantly on the verge <laughs> of relieving someone of command every episode. Um, yeah, I have it as a three. And yet we don't see the one time Spock actually relieved the Mirror Universe Kirk of Command. No, he's just sitting in jail. He's <laughs> just in jail screaming like Grunting. a loon. Yeah. Well, again, I like it. I, I really appreciated that that's how that went down. Because it was like a fucking 15 oh, no. second cutaway. Oh, no. He was not convincing at all. Spock put him in jail immediately. And all you Spock see is just them said, in jail. Go right to jail. Yeah. I like that. That was good. That was actually a good way to shoot that. Yep. Oh yeah, no, I was not fooled. No, he's uh, some kind of maniac. He tried to stab everybody he saw, so he went straight to jail. Um, characterization. I got some stuff here. <clears throat> yes, please. Kirk is mad triggered by the smell of honey. Yeah. Like, he smells that honey and loses his whole business. Um, he was mean to Uhura again, and I'm just really getting sick of it. He yelled at Uhura when he got to the bridge. Just yep. every time he's in a bad way, he yells at Uhura. 
He really does take it out on her. It's kind of fucked up. Uh, Kirk trying to motivate this security guy with the death of his friend seems unnecessary. Like, don't we already believe that he's a little emperor and everyone will gladly die for him on that ship? Yeah, he doesn't need to say, how'd you like to get a shot at the thing that killed him? <laughs> he's like, if you tell me to do a thing, I'll do it. So, I, I like it fine, sir. Kirk didn't appear to inform any of the other senior officers he was going back down there to hunt monsters. He just takes the security guy and goes He just gets Garavik to take four men down. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Straight confines the dude uh, to quarters for not shooting fast enough, as if it was a crime. Kirk went mad very quickly. Uh, accuses the crew of conspiring against him. Yep. You know... That was my favorite Scotty moment, by the way, is in that scene. <laughs> that he thought that was a little bit harsh. Yeah, and then when, when, when Kirk said, uh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have used the word conspire, Scotty said, no, sir, you shouldn't have. <laughs> That's right. There are some things you don't accuse Scotty of. That's right. Drinking, fine. Lusting after <laughs> women, okay, sure. <laughs> but don't ever accuse him of conspiring. Um, Riker, by the way, would have rounded everyone up for a mutiny meeting within 30 seconds. Of oh, seeing yeah, Kirk yeah. like this. Would have been right in his quarters. Mm-hmm. He just would have pointed at everyone and did the thing where he like does a little roundup motion with his finger. And then they all would have been in his quarters. Um, Jordy's making a sandwich, doesn't realize the meeting's only going to last 45 seconds. <laughs> I'm glad we're they not, provide Again, food. we're not doing this? I'm glad they provide food. It's just nice. That's my know? favorite part of that scene, for sure. The Jordy's like, yeah, all right, I'll bite. Data's like, hey, I made this pen pal. I know I shouldn't have. But, Jordy goes, uh, here, listen to her die. Jordy's over there spreading mayonnaise. Like, <laughs> what? We're done? And then just awkwardly eating that sandwich with Picard. <laughs> so, uh, what's that painting about? Um, uh, all the stuff about Kirk's background is first deep space assignment 11 years ago on the Farragut. Um, he, he's gonna do a heroic, maybe suicide mission to kill the creature once and for all. Judo chops don't work on Kirk. The guy, uh, what's his name? Garavik judo chops Kirk and he, he's like briefly... Briefly confused, he's, then it's fine. He's a little stunned, but it doesn't knock him out cold. Uh, that so, scene is meaningless, by the way. The whole scene was very dumb down there. Yeah, where they're like in a competition to see who's going to suicide faster. Uh, Scotty is almost as eager to meet the Yorktown as that Commodore was to get to Starbase 10. Yeah. Like, he even cuts into the conversation and makes it a three-way call to talk about how they need to go to Yorktown. It's like... Uh, his family sells that medicine or something. <laughs> but guys, you don't want to waste trying, this medicine. Trying to get that good government contract. Uh, McCoy goes to play therapist. Well, he knows 15 ladies who were too young for him on Theta 7. And so, you know, he's worried. <laughs> That's right. They all need my help. Um, McCoy goes to play therapist with Kirk, ends up threatening to relieve him of command. Um, but then eventually he and Spock are pretty cool about it. Spock requires McCoy's help, not only in assessing the captain's competence, but also in explaining human emotions. Which is... Yeah, we don't actually see the scene where Spock must ask McCoy about obsession, and McCoy must say, you ever read Moby Dick? <laughs> we got us a real Moby Dick. This seems like Moby Dick to me. Um, Spock is willing to take on the final mission, but, like, doesn't make a stink about it when they say, no, nah, you don't have to. He's like, he's not going to bite me. I ain't got any of that red blood. And they're like, no, I have to go. And he's like, yeah, okay. 
I mean, if you want, go down there. Um, the three main characters are close enough in this that they're able to have a discussion about whether Kirk has lost his mind and still come out of it unified and focused on the same goal, which is kind of nice. Yep. I enjoyed that part of this. Um, just and, and a, also you don't get the feeling like it's going to uh, affect their friendship. Yeah, they're all pretty cool about it. They know that uh, he has got to make that he's got to make that command decision. And uh, look, they're all on board for killing this uh, space whale. Oh um, yeah. By the way, there's Spock does another one of those where he now thinks the creature should be killed. Oh yeah. Well, uh, we know that he is all on board uh, with murdering aliens. You just have to get him there. He's he'll eventually come around. Just like his old daddy, Sarek, if he has a reason to kill, he is capable of it. <laughs> Absolutely. I love how he did not even for one second think his father might not have killed that guy. Oh, yeah. Sarek? Yeah, I know he could have killed this guy. Yeah, no, definitely, you should definitely I don't know why him. he killed him, but he, I mean... Honestly, he I always keep one eye on that guy, because he's kind <laughs> you gotta of keep, You gotta keep an eye out on old Sarek. He's, he's mad murdery. And finally, uh, Nurse Chapel's job includes food delivery to confined crewmen. Why not a yeoman or something? Anyway, um... I mean, she said everybody was busy, but yeah. Seems like they had a person dying in sickbay. She probably should have been there. It's fine. <laughs> and then Whatever. she gets to show off her own skills when she convinces the sad crewman to accept his food. Um, all in all, as we talked about, I liked the Kirk, Spock, McCoy. Let's have this conversation and then move on with our business. I gave it a six. Yeah, you're, uh, we're not too far off here. Um, Kirk loses control in this episode, almost like a mirror Kirk or senile Kirk from last week. Mm-hmm. So even though the show walks back the Moby Dick parallel a little bit by giving Kirk an actual logical reason, right? so he's not just an Ahab here, it's not great. But Spock and McCoy are pretty good in this one. Yeah. And I liked uh, Scotty standing up for himself on the bridge. I gave it a five overall. Okay. Um, why don't you do some uh, quick ones? Yeah, uh, Disruptor B is my least favorite Earthbound attack. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Matthew tried Disruptor B. Uh, it failed. It failed. Yeah. Uh, Psy Pizza B is much better. That's right. It was effe- it was very effective. It was very effective. Yeah. Ah, uh, the return of Phaser Two. Kirk, don't have your finger on the Phaser trigger while you wipe your mouth. You could blow Garvik's <laughs> whole head off. He has very bad trigger discipline with that phaser. Yep. Uh, McCoy with his short sleeves. I already mentioned Spock going full Moesha on that toggle. Mm. Uh, okay, that thing was labeled anti-grav 57,000 GKG. Okay. Now, there are two possible ways to interpret that. Can that fucking thing hold up 57,000 billion kilograms? <laughs> Because if that's giga kilograms, which is a very silly measurement, uh, that's a huge amount. Or is GKG meant to be like gravitational strength times mass? Yeah, that's how I was thinking. In which case it'd be able to hold about five metric tons on Earth. Which is still kind of a lot, but it's not 57 billion kilograms. No. The whole planet should have been fucking pushed away from that thing. <laughs> He's causing a lot of tectonic stress on this planet just by being Oh, uh, well, it turned out the hand truck killed the monster entirely. <laughs> it killed everything? That planet, no one should ever go back there. This hand truck is the hand truck of destiny. <laughs> I gave Best Actor to Chapel about to object to waking up uh, Rizzo, but thinking better of it. 
She does some good face acting where she looks like she's going to say, well, you're not really going to wake that guy up. But then she just goes, whatever. Yeah, I'm not going to win this one. Kirk's doing an Ahab here. <laughs> just got to got to roll with it. Yeah. But I gave worst actor to Chapel saying self-pity was a poor first course. Uh, that is a bad line. Like a line she'd rehearsed a hundred times, clearly. Yep. Like, oh, yeah, it's like she I'm thought that was pretty this. cool when she said it. I can't wait to say this line. Uh, I got some quick ones. Yeah, let's have them. <laughs> Uh, again, writing these in real time. What was that weird backwards motion smoke effect when he shot that rock? <laughs> yep. Uh, it was the smoke monster, which on Lost is known as Jacob. It's Jacob the smoke monster. Um, Bill Shatner, always forced to read lines about things and things that can't possibly exist. Yep. That's a big part of his job. Yeah. He actually, by the way, he does it fairly well. <laughs> oh, no, he's really good because at it now. It sounds exactly the same as when he says every other terrible line. That's right. Uh, this is one of those episodes that made Star Trek famous for killing off minor characters, right? Yeah, a bunch of red shirts eat it in this Just one. Just red shirts lying all over the fucking ground. Like, I don't... His, his crew's about 400 people. How many of them are security officers? It doesn't seem like you'd have that many. You wouldn't think you'd need them, but he runs through them so quick. But they, like... That's got to be most of them. There are a lot of red shirts when they're walking around those halls. And especially, right, Garavik is the new security officer. Yeah. He's an ensign. It's not a good posting. There probably aren't any other commissioned officers in the security department left on the ship right now, right? Yeah, it's all a bunch of crewmen. It's just a bunch of crewmen. And they ain't going to make it to a... Uh, There's one, division. whatever the equivalent is, of a chief of a petty officer. Probably not even a chief. They've probably only got a petty officer down there. There's a security officer third class or something. No field commissions coming to these guys. No, no, no. They Don't just pick somebody up enough. at Starbase, whatever. Uh, I know Dude in the beginning was uh, choking. But the instructions were pretty clear about firing into that cloud. Yeah. Oh, Kirk, before the first group gets wiped out, Kirk tells them... Disruptor B. Mm-hmm. He smells it first. Yeah. Disruptor B. Uh, if you see a gas cloud, fucking fire immediately. Disruptor B. And then as the guy's choking, he's shouting at him over and over again to fire into it. And the guy's just like choking. Yeah. Meanwhile, the thing is everywhere. Just shoot <laughs> and swing your fucking phaser that's what, wildly. That's what I'm saying. Like, this seemed like that guy was not handling his business at all. By the way, is Disruptor B just the strongest? Because why does Kirk think it'll work? He didn't shoot the thing last time. Yeah. He, he seems very sure that if they shoot it, they'll kill it, even though no one has ever tried as far as he knows. Yeah. And it is a cloud. So it's like... <laughs> it is a cloud. You know, you might not kill it with a laser beam. It might kind of just go through. Um, well, sir, we vaporized one cup of cloud matter. <laughs> uh, it turns out that doesn't do much. Uh, we already talked about phaser two. Uh, did Kirk's hair get fixed in transport? After he yes. gets judo chopped, his hair is all messed up. But once on board, he's looking mad spiffy. Like his yeah, hair Scotty is did it for him. That's very yeah. nice of him. It, even after that insult earlier, he still fixes his hair for him. I felt bad about mouthing off to you earlier on the bridge, so, so I, f- I fixed your hair. I fixed your tube. I mean haircut. Uh, that's all I had. Well, without Ben's notes, we moved through that actually fairly quickly. All right, good. So Ben's um, not allowed to participate maybe it'll, anymore. Maybe it'll hold up. We'll be in and out real quick. Uh, fourth place last week was Enterprise, and that means next we're talking about Canamar. Yeah. 
can't fool me. Now, can't does he say, don't let me die there? <laughs> I never know Because that's kind of what it sounds like to me. You can't fool me. This is. I thought you were going to try to fool me like the time you played that Boston song, and I, and, and I thought it was a Final <laughs> Fantasy song. <laughs> it sounds like it. Um, well, remember when I told you I heard a Midnight Oil song I'd never recognized before on the radio, and then I played that, and it turned out it was Panama? <laughs> right. I think I fooled you twice so far. <laughs> Maybe you did fool me with that likes. exact song. <laughs> yeah, But not um, this time. I'm ready. I've I'm never f- known even what Koala Sprint is supposed to mean. No. With regard to this, because it seems to be a song about going to the beach. <clears throat> As we've talked, despite about... the fact that he may have just screamed, "Don't let me die." <laughs> well, you know, the undertow and everything. Uh, as we've talked about in the the other subpod, the music subpod, knowing the lyrics to a Minute Oil song does not help me understand it, and I don't always know what the lyrics are. So, yeah, Enterprise finds Shuttle Pod One adrift and damaged, and cannot contact Archer. Uh, he and Trip were on their way back from Keto Enol after a first contact mission that his logs say was successful. Um, both his and Trip's blood are in the shuttle, and Reed believes they were abducted. So uh, T'Pol takes the ship back to that planet. Meanwhile, on a prison transport, Trip and Archer are being held with a group of other aliens, and they believe they are headed for the penal colony of Canamar. Uh, T'Pol talks to a man in what appears to be the same clothing as the guards, and though he's not immediately helpful, they eventually convince him to come on board and go after the transport. And that guy is Trip, some, some kind of character actor I've seen in a million things. Yeah, he was he's one of those guys. Yeah. But I didn't bother to look up who he was. Yeah, I don't think he's been in any other Star Treks. Just a million things. Uh, Trip, meanwhile, has... Um, made a sort of an enemy of a Nausicaan, and he's got a real chatty idiot best friend to shackle to him. Some other different kind of alien. Some different kind of alien who's got, like, uh, seaweed on his face. Right. Kelp. Kelp on his face. Not dried. Not, like, delicious dried seaweed for eating. So, um, these security guys, these Anolian security guards, uh, I guess, agree that it was a mistake to have captured Trip and Archer, so they send a message to release them. But as Archer is being released, uh, we discover that we're doing con air. So mm-hmm. one of the prisoners breaks free and attacks the guard, and with the help of Trip's Nausicaan friend, takes over the ship. Well, Brian and Braga's first treatment of this was just called Space Con Air. So. Well, there you go. It is con air in mm-hmm. space. So, uh, but they're going to need a pilot. And uh, turns out, we've never known this before, Archer, great pilot. Yeah, I think we've seen him fly the shuttle, but, like, I figured lots of people could do that. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people probably have their shuttle license. Yeah. Um, so, Archer goes up to the cockpit with the, with the main guy, who we learn, like, 25 minutes later is named Kuroda. Do you know who Kuroda is? Uh, the actor? I mean, he's got that s- <laughs> shitty sneer face. Yeah, and that's perfect for him. He plays the um, <clears throat> the guy in Eye of the Beholder, the killer. The one that Troy dreams up. Uh, okay. Is that Eye of the Beholder? What's the one, the one where Jordy gets kidnapped? No, that's the mind's eye. The mind's eye. Okay. Eye of the Beholder is the one with Ensign Quan. Or whatever. Lieutenant Kwan? Yeah, see, this is, he's the... 
he's Troy's mind rapist number eight or yes. whatever. Yes, he's, he's, yes. He's fucking episode turns out to be a dream all along. <laughs> yes. I cannot believe it. <laughs> hey, you will be so mad when we get to that episode. Why are you complaining? Years. Marjan has already told us season seven's the best season, and there's more proof. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, so Kuroda and Archer go to the cockpit, but he's not releasing Trip, and all the other prisoners are also left in shackles. So he has Archer set a course for a binary system four light years away. And uh, Archer pretends, despite the fact that he said he was a starship captain and they came and apologized and released him, that he actually is a smuggler and he just bribed his way out to get into the hijacker's uh, good graces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his plan is Um, to buddy up with this dude and take him down from within. I guess. Probably. Or just to meet up with Maybe just guys. join him? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe just become a smuggler. Who knows? He's trying to think he's... He's sick of, sick of dealing with the goddamn Vulcans. Anyway, uh, he um, he said does something with the transceiver that allows Enterprise to, to track them. Um, but it also allows uh, Enolian patrol ships to arrive. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they start firing on the ship. Uh, Archer doesn't want to shoot back, because he's a good guy. Right. Um... So instead, he they do some kind of ruse where Trip vents some plasma and they blow it up and it disables the ships and they get back out to warp, etc. Yeah, and then like when they're disabled, the guy's like, "Now let's kill him," and then Archer has to convince him uh, why it's such a good strategic decision not to kill them. Yeah, which is just <laughs> you know, like you don't want to be a cop killer. Then they'll never stop. They'll never you. stop looking for you, etc., right. etc. Et right? Like they were just gonna give up on this guy who hijacked a prison transport, <laughs> right? Anyway, there's that. Uh, they lock Trip back up, so that whole thing was useless. Um, but it does, th- that incident ups the stakes because now Enterprise has to get there before any other Enolian ships or they will blow up the transport. Mm. So that puts a ticking clock on this dumb thing. But there's another one because it turns out that when they get to the this trading outpost called Tamal that they're going to, mm-hmm. uh, he is going to, uh, he and his Nausicaan buddy and Archer and I guess maybe Trip are all going to leave the ship and uh, fly off with his buddies and they're going to let the transport uh, deorbit and crash into the planet and then that way the authorities will stop looking for him. Mm-hmm. So there's two clocks. Anyway, Enterprise gets there. They scan and see that Trip and Archer are on this ship. Uh,. Archer gets Tucker free again to fix the docking hatch, but with a plan to attack the Nausicaan so that they can overpower them, so they don't have to kill everybody, etc. Right. Uh, and that sort of works. Trip knocks the Nausicaan out, but his talkative buddy warns Kuroda yep. before Trip can shoot him. So, um... Anyway, it turns out that the ship that has docked with them is uh, not Kuroda's pals. It's a team of Enterprise security people. And they uh, board the ship, shoot everybody up. Uh, Archer gets in one last fight with Kuroda, who then runs to the cockpit because he won't go back to Kanamar or whatever. Right. And uh, Reed pulls Archer off the ship before it blows up. And then Archer uh, shouts at uh, that Anolian officer on board Enterprise and the credits roll. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 Where are the games? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the games. Um, Matthew, what is your take? Mm. Well, I had listed 
how to create a criminal in one step. Lock up an innocent man. Because they gave us a sob story halfway through about Kuroda just being a regular old, regular old boy. You know, regular old 14-year-old mechanic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing some child labor. And then he got uh, arrested for no reason and sent to probably Canamar. And, um, and that probably introduced him to many criminals. And then he became a criminal. And now he's a criminal for life and all that stuff. Um, and then in the end... Uh, like you said, Archer shouts at the character actor guy about how uh, he was falsely imprisoned, and he wonders how many people on that shuttle were falsely imprisoned. Um, so fuck you, or whatever he says to the guy. So I think that's what they were going for, but let's be honest. Uh, this was 16 separate action set pieces um, that were loosely combined into a plot. Um, I'll give it a five. Five. Five for having uh, a five for having a take that I recognize. I also have it as a five. So, um I think that this is about brutal treatment leads to brutal prisoners. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a cliche, but it is the sort of thing Star Trek should be talking about. Yeah. Having said that, there was no attempt to tie it into contemporary politics. By explaining, say, that Canamar was uh, run for profit and that it was in the guards' interest to bring in prisoners or to demonstrate any kind of racial bias, either towards all these weird aliens on the ship or towards some kind of minority on that planet, which has a hyphenated name, so it seemed like it was going to be a Kesprit situation. I thought that's what we were going for. Um in you know to show anything in their justice system so i think um you know that speaks a little bit to execution but it also sort of muddies the waters a little bit as to what they what they were thinking what their what their premise was but still to me that's a five um i will say uh ben has it at a three yes the notes came in and the notes came in as we were recording he says i guess it's false imprisonment is bad I think that was the intended take. I think the real take is more like harsh punishment of prisoners just makes desperate prison- prisoners. So he actually thinks both of our takes. He thinks yes. they were trying for years and hit mine. And because of the way the math works, you take both takes and you uh, multiply yeah. one um, <laughs> by the other, and then you divide by eight. And the cl- so he just he came up with a three. He's got it at a three, so yeah. he was a little less... Um, and he says that it's a kind of a low score because he thinks they had a take and didn't really try to do it. That's where I was, it. too. I was going to give us more points, and the more I thought about it, I was just like, this was technically in the episode, and they weren't really trying for it. Yeah. Uh, I chose to deduct those points from execution. Yes. So I have it at a two. <clears throat> okay. It's fine. Kuroda's fine. Archer is better than Picard at playing a smuggler. Right. Everything is by the books, trapped with prisoners, con air, though. Yeah. I mean, this is really... Nothing surprising happens in the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Also, they waste time. Like, hey, the script's a little short. Can we have uh, Trip knock the Nausicaan out, but then it doesn't succeed? <laughs> Right. So it's just it's just a waste of it's just a scene that doesn't matter. Yeah. So yeah, again, they could have jammed some more character work in there for Kuroda or something, and then that they would have had a full script. But yeah, no, I think it's a two. 
Ben thinks it's a two also, and his notes also say it was fine, I guess. <laughs> Extremely run-of-the-mill. Didn't manage to surprise at all. Ben and I are very much in agreement. Yeah. Um, what did you think the execution was for this episode? This is probably a better arc if Archer is able to convince this guy to like do a good turn. Therefore showing he wasn't a bad guy. After all, he was just forced into being one by circumstances. Or maybe they yeah. all work together to stop corrupt Anolian officers or something. But Yeah, so... I was just going to say, but maybe this was the more realistic version of the plot where they're bad now. Yeah. I, I was going to say that I initially didn't have a take, and you told me your take to help. Yeah. And the reason I didn't think, uh, I didn't eventually settle on your take is because in the scene where he's describing how he was innocent of stealing a brace of latinum. Sure. I don't know what that means. Does it mean two latinums? <laughs> I think so. Because what a brace of pheasants would mean. <laughs> two two latinums of uh, un- uncertain size. We don't yes. know if there are bars or strips or whatever. Um, that he, in, in prison, he learned all the skills of a criminal, and when he got out, he was excited to put them to use. Mm-hmm. Which is... Normally, if you want to tell this story about how uh, either arresting innocent people or the way the prison system is structured or the way we do rehabilitation creates career criminals, the story is something like, and then I got out and I couldn't get a job because of my criminal record. And what choice did I have? I I had to turn to the skills I had learned in prison to survive, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this guy seems like he went buck wild for it. (laughs) He's ready. He's ready to be bad. So I think that that really undercuts any kind of message about, uh, like, it makes it seem like not any innocent person who's sent to prison would have turned out Corona. Right. Um, and again, I think they were less interested in telling the story than having Archer play smuggler and do cool action stuff. Um, yeah. But I will say there's some supporting evidence that I that I saw when I was watching the episode. So Archer buddies up with this guy mainly to save his own ass, and in doing so learns uh, he was once an innocent kid, blah, blah, blah. Um, now Archer actually finds it very easy to work with this guy to convince him to not kill people, to convince him to do this criminal thing in a different way. Which I think they're trying to show us that the guy has not entirely lost his shit. Because um, Archer can get through to him. And at the same time, back in the uh, Behold, Trip buddies up with criminals in the rabble, sort of. Even this Nausicaan seems to have some affection for the main villain. The Nausicaan seems to be really deferential to Kuroda and worried about his health. And Yeah, like, could we have had one scene that explained what those yes. two dudes were about? Like, did they meet in Kanamar last time or whatever the other prison colony he says he was in was? And again, they had time to do that and they spent, yep. they spent it doing other stuff. So I think what they were... You could have cut the scene... You could have cut the scene where the guy is on board... Enterprise, but he hasn't yet revealed that the patrol ships have orders to shoot to kill. Right. Like, that scene you don't need. Give us a scene where we understand what the Noskins' relationship to Kuroda is. Yeah. Um, But all in all, I think what they were saying was that these criminals are still basically just regular-ass folk, but they weren't always done right by. Um, So I actually thought it executed on the premise, okay, 
this episode could have scored a lot of points if they'd given a shit. I, I don't know what else to say. If they'd given a shit, they ha- they could have had a clear take and they could have executed on it. it. I gave it a five, but um, but they could have had more. Wow. Uh, well, let's talk about world building. Okay. Uh, as we talked about, uh, Keto Enol is the plan. Uh-huh. And the Enolians. Uh, a Panzan match. It's like water polo. Uh-huh. Uh, Canamar's a penal colony. Um, another Nausicaan who can use words and shit. Uh, this guy didn't seem that much more eloquent than Human Play Domjot. Bro, those guys can't say words. This guy <laughs> wasn't verbose. But no, he, was... he says you talk and you talk, but you have no gramba. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's... the TNG Nosigans that we got to know and love are a bit different. I think um... that Nosigan was putting it on. <laughs> he just he was playing into some stereotypes because or something. No one who couldn't talk would say you talk and you talk. <laughs> That's true. But you have no gramba. Human play dumb John. Right. I'm gonna go fuck with these guys. Check this out. Human play dumb John. And then he's like looking I'm, back and I'm laughing. I'm gonna do my caveman bit with these guys. <laughs> they fucking it, they shit their pants. I swear to God. Well, fuck. Throw it in the theory corner. Um, we will when we get to tapestry. Uh, oh, well, we can talk about it a little bit later in this episode, but we'll get to it when we get to tapestry. Triburnium alloys. That sounds yeah. fake. Um, just because you smash the panel doesn't mean the associated <laughs> system goes offline. Okay, no fucking shit. But let me say this: in real life, that's not how things. Work. I wish, I wish Archer had turned to him and said, "Now well, I just can't control I it." I don't know that that's true. You definitely broke the display. <laughs> yeah, like now all that means is whatever it was set on is basically it, what it said. It could still be doing what it was doing before. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know how there's buttons and I can switch what shows on the display. I don't think it's hardwired into any of these systems. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like in real life. It would just mean the user interface was broke. But, like, maybe yeah. in the Star Trek universe? It's like if you smash your monitor, Damn. your computer is still doing something. That's... It hasn't stopped doing whatever it was doing. That's what I would assume. But yeah. um, maybe they broke it in the Star Trek universe. I don't know. Uh, writers don't understand technology. Even um, on this show where it would be nice if they understood it a little. Brawla Prime has some cold polar aisles and some good plastic surgeons. Uh, Archer and Tripp's little plasma stunt. Uh, a lot of fun alien world building, but I get the feeling that this will all be forgotten by next week. I gave it a two. Uh, I give it a zero. Whoa! Yeah. I could not. I could not. Nothing in this episode taught me anything. Like, there were opportunities to do world building here. We don't see any kind of standard procedures in use on board Enterprise. We don't learn anything about Starfleet training that would help them escape from their shit. No. We don't learn anything about interstellar law or justice. Instead, but, but bro, we learn about a bunch of planets we'll never visit. Yeah. But what about But what about Panzan? The, the, on, the, on the planet Kato Enol, there is a sport similar to water polo <laughs> named Panzan? It's not... That doesn't do it for you? I'm mad you gave it points. <laughs> I gave it below average points. It feels below average. Yeah. Well. Ben gave it a two. He says, in the space future, it's normal to imprison a lot of different alien races. And then continuity with the Nausicans. That they exist? I guess. Uh, to be honest, when I saw that guy, I wasn't sure he was a Nausicaan. Until someone said that's a Nausicaan, 
I I was not certain. I I don't know if this is the third Nausicaan face makeup we've seen, but yeah. it was not immediate to me. Well, he's definitely got some kind of weird claw face. His face is made of claws. This was just a chubby dude with outpost teeth. <laughs> what we talked about last time, there was a Nausicaan. Don't punch him in the face. His face is made of claws. It's a bad idea to punch him. You just punch for the neck or something. Yeah, you gotta do something maybe in the back of the skull. Don't try to punch this guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Ben's a two, you're a two, I'm a zero. Okay. Uh, characterization. All right. Archer works okay for me in this. Yeah. And uh, Trip is fine, too. I agreed. No one else is in it, though. No, no. They, they give us the the wonderful favor of getting to see T-Pole try to track them down. But yeah. nothing happens on that. Yeah, the scenes with Reed and Hoshi and T-Pole don't tell us anything about them. Mm-hmm. And they could have cut one dumb action scene and give us something about how the crew was dealing with the captain being gone, right? Like, yeah. This is potentially kind of a big deal. Because, first of all, I don't even know who the next Starfleet officer is with both uh, Archer yeah. and Trip Probably gone. Reed, is it right? Reed? Yeah. And that so, guy cannot command a starship. Well, what I was going to say was, I'm kind of glad they didn't give the time to that. Because all it would have been was Reed fighting with people. And it's like, ugh, I feel like we've seen the crew fighting with Archer gone a million times already. Yeah. Um, so that whole half was just a waste as far as characterization was concerned. But again, Archer and Trip were fine. I gave it a five overall. I agreed. I gave it a six. I thought Archer showed incredible restraint by not trying to save the crew of this transport in the beginning when they're getting the shit beat out of them when the cons take over. I felt yeah, he like... played it way unusually cool for Archer. Yeah, I felt like normally he'd charge in and get his ass beat and make the situation worse. But instead he uses that thinking lump to pretend to be a smuggler. Uh, maybe he gets a bit carried away playing smuggler and doesn't try as hard to escape as he could. At least he doesn't try to play a badass. That's the thing yeah. about him, is that he in, when his smuggler here is just a guy trying to stay off people's radar. Yeah, that works. That, that it, works it, for him. It makes sense and it works. Uh, again, uh, it's not Picard shouting at... Um, Baran? Baran uh, in Gambit. Or punch, or just punch, straight up punching Riker the moment he sees him, yeah. or whatever, right? Uh, to shut Riker's dumb yap because he knows Riker's going to say something like, "How did you get here, <laughs> Captain Picard of the USS Enterprise? How did you get here, Jean Luc?" Yeah. But um, and a God, I'm sure we'll get the opportunity to see Cisco pretending to be a bad guy. Oh yeah, and I'm sure it'll be awful. Well, uh, I actually thought Archer was pretty good at that. Um, and all the, and by not trying to escape very hard, it allows him to be there and try to save the prisoners in the end. So, um, and Trip, um, Trip asks to change seats, uh, in the middle of this whole thing, because the guy next to him is annoying. He's the funny guy on this show, right? Yeah. He thought it was a rowboat. He, they, they got in a, they went in a rowboat. We went in a rowboat. (laughs) Um... But he generally, um, he he was pretty good in the back there. Uh, somehow, he and Archer get along so well, they're always able to coordinate these plans without ever being in the same room and shit, and they, they do some more of that. Um, yeah. So again, neither of them was terribly stupid, which is such a nice change, I gave it a six. It's kind of like grading on have, a curve. Do you have some quick hitters for me? Uh, only a few, it's Enterprise. Um, 
Thank goodness for that Netflix skip intro button. I do love that button. That's a real boon. By the way, I'm sure you saw on uh, Voyager, there's a skip uh, recap button, yes, too. Yes, I, I used it as well. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Hey, why does it have to be a star log? Why is it a Captain Star log? Why not just a log? They just put star in front of everything in this era? See a star hamburger and he fucking goes to the star toilet? Like, what's going well, on? Almost the star toilet. It's fucking garbage. It doesn't make any sense. Why would the name of the thing change? Yeah, to right. a star thing? It doesn't need to. I mean, Kirk cleans it up. So, the, By the time of Kirk's time, it's not a star log. Star date really sets the precedent, right? <laughs> yeah, like, why is it a star as date? As if date is not enough. I mean, it's just... <sighs> uh, Let's see. No, that was it. The rest of it was about who this uh, guy played in that TNG episode. Well, that's good. I, I, He looked familiar, but he also just looked like one of those guys, you know? Oh, so well, I he, didn't dig into it. He for sure has asshole face, and so he gets hired to play asshole. So, um, I did catch some other guest stars in some other episodes. So oh, good. We'll, we'll talk about them later. Um, quick hitters. I don't have uh, really much here. Uh, well, covered that. Covered that. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, who cares? It's just I gave part. best actor in this one to Archer. Okay, wow. And uh, worst actor to uh, Trip's buddy, uh, the kelp face. Yeah. yeah, I never understood what that dude was feeling inside at any point. And he was kind of a little shysty traitor, just the character. Yeah, he's not a good character, fuck but like guy. he's also like nothing the actor did made me understand that character. Yeah. Like, is he afraid, or... As we all know, he should have made his actor secret that he wanted to eat Trip alive. Yeah. That's the best (laughs) actor secret. That's how you do it. That's how actors Usually the best actor secret. Um, I think... You're not doing MVPs anymore, right? Nah, it's been a while since I did that. So I think we can move on. Um, we're making good time this week. Yeah. Uh, third place last week was, uh, Voyager. Yeah. So we're finishing up uh, the cliffhanger and starting the third season. Land of the Lost Part 2. With Basics Part 2. Oh. You don't, you don't expect me to give the recap that Netflix tried to give me, right? We can just move on. <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, let's see. Onboard Voyager. Tight end, Lawn Suter. Hides in the vents and Jeffrey's tubes of the ship, uh, risking his sanity after he's f- forced to kill a Kazon soldier. The doctor talks him into some murders, basically. You don't think he's a pulling guard or, like, uh, <laughs> maybe an outside linebacker? I just, I imagine him catching a pass from Bart Starr. That's all. Yeah, Lawn Suter, <laughs> it's a very, it's a very Bart Starr era name. And then he, for sure, rambles. From the 15 uh, into the end zone. Um, the doctor convinces him to commit a bunch of Kazon murders. The yeah. doctor's really not interested in this guy's mental health. And the doctor, theoretically, who has been programmed to do no harm, is um, pretty good. He's murder happy. He's, he's murder happy. He's for pretty sure. into this insurrection. He's got a real, it does a real Spock turn where he's like, you may have to kill many Kazon. And I'll do everything I can to support you in your murderous efforts. Uh, anyway, Suter's old Maquis tricks keep him from being detected, but, uh, Seska, who last episode was a military genius, and this one seems really distracted by, like, breastfeeding or something. 
she's something's wrong she's got mom that mommy brain that oh, women sometimes say they have is. yeah because she's like i mean she, it, it also seemed like she planned most of this after she had the baby too so i don't know maybe she maybe she did plan it in advance she's just been executing on a playbook but she it stopped she after they took over voyager some interruptions after the baby so she planned all of it in advance i think and then um but yeah now it's like she only catches on to this stuff after the fact after the Kazon have been not catching Suter for a while, she catches on to things like his uh, his stupid uh, th- uh, Thoron sh- shield that he's using to hide yep. his identity and everything. Anyway, um, Doctor takes credit for the dead Kazon soldier after uh, Seska confronts him and um, I guess stops Suter from being detected. Seska has doubts about the story, but deactivates the Doctor's program just in case. Uh, meanwhile, on the planet, Crewman Hogan, otherwise known as... A Bobo Scott Thompson. Yes, is devoured by a gigantic monster of some kind. Worm creature. That's a serious rap on that guy. Yep. Uh, the natives of the planet also kidnap Kess and Neelix, so they're not having a good time down there. Um, Chakotay attempts to negotiate for their return by being like... One with the savages? He does go out to these guys, and he's like, it's cool, guys, I'm an Indian. I'm a savage as well, you might know me, we're all savages here. The word savage is used in the episode by Tuvok, so it's okay that I say this. Yeah, Tuvok uh, Tuvok is a little murder-happy in this one. It must be, if, you know what, it's those emotions, they're not real good at suppressing them. No, the Vulcans are among the most murderous of all of yeah. the members of the Federation. Um... Anyway, uh, Chakotay sort of gets Kess and Neelix out of it. He gets them five feet away from the uh, natives there, and then they have to book it. Uh, but they run in, they run until they meet a Starfleet ambush, and they throw like some fucking javelins and bows and shoot some arrows at him and shit. Uh, anyway, they take refuge in the cave where that giant worm monster lived. Yep. So that's great. Um, the natives attempt to smoke them out with a fire. Back at camp... Um, things are going pretty wrong, although the crew have managed to find food and warmth. Anson Wildman's dang old baby gets sick and continues to get worse, and Chakotay's team is still missing. Dude, I gotta be honest, I didn't even pay enough attention to realize that baby thing happened. It, honestly, it's barely a plot point. It's just at the end, the old man gives her a magic herb or something, and yeah. she fucking... The old savage gives her a herb, and then she's like, okay... But it doesn't matter because the ship shows up right then. So <laughs> fucking, yeah. it doesn't matter okay, in the good. least. I'm glad I didn't miss anything important. Yeah. Janeway gathers the crew to search for Chakotay. Uh, inside the caverns, a misstep leads to a crew member uh, waking and getting eaten by the worm. <laughs> yeah, it's like in that episode. Uh, oh, shit. I guess it's part of Move. Is it in Move Along Home where Dax is injured and they're like walking through that cave and she's like. Leave me here, Benjamin. Uh-huh. It's like a piece of the cave falls. Anyway, it seems and, like it's the Benjamin same And Benjamin says a really, a really realistic sounding thing that I gave him points for. Where he's like, yeah, no, nah, we're not going to do that. Yeah, like, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the guy trips and falls. So uh, the uh, shy, shy Halud from Doom, Doom gets, another, <laughs> gets another victim. That's good. Uh, outside, Janeway has uh, Torres and two others draw off the natives with a distraction of some kind. Uh, it works. Running. Like- just running. fast runner. <laughs> Who's the fastest runner? Okay. It, you know, I feel like I watched this episode, but I don't remember anything that happened in it. Uh, anyway, uh, you, you know how... Uh, well, we'll talk about it later. It's fine. 
uh, the distraction works, allowing them to put out the fire and get the rest of the crew out. The worm ends up buried under tons of rock, dislodged by Tuvork and the others as they escape. Yep. Lon Suter and the Doctor risk their lives to repel the Kazon. Wait, we already know this part. Uh, Suter, under orders from Tom Paris, who's with the Talaxian convoy, attacks the engineering section of Voyager. That's not really how it happened. Paris told the Doctor... <laughs> And the doctor, the doctor left a message, left a message from beyond because the grave. Because by that point, Seska had disabled him. Yeah, for Suter. Um, his goal is to sabotage the phaser weapons system. Uh, he succeeds, but is shot in the back by a dying Kazon, and uh, he dies moments after. The Kazon then attempt to destroy Tom Paris's shuttle, but the sabotaged phaser coupling overloads, killing most of the Kazon, and so, in, I assume they mean in engineering? And so they decide to abandon Voyager. Sometimes I think I'm not going to do this anymore on Wikipedia. It's, Wikipedia is not helping it's, you on this it's episode. It's making me sure. very distracted it's, by it's how it's giving bad it, it is. to you all out of order. Yeah. And also, it's kind of it's kind of fudging it here. All right. Anyway, if you had copied every third sentence from the memory alpha <laughs> description, you probably would have been better. Uh, Seska herself, uh, mortally wounded, stumbles into Janeway's ready room and dies next to her child. Um. The child, by the way, is not Chakotay's. That's established fairly early oh, yeah, on in the that episode. Is in this episode, yeah. Uh, Maj Kola, one of the few survivors of the attack, momentarily grieves for Seska and then takes the baby and leaves. Uh, they abandon ship. Um, on the planet, volcanic eruptions have forced the Voyager crew and the natives to move out uh, in the same direction. Chakotay gains the respect of the natives when he rescues one of their um, lot from a lava flow. Yeah, do you think it's the same woman the old man tried to trade to Chakotay for Kess? <laughs> it probably was. I don't know, it all looks same. Um, the leader of the tribe gathers together uh, some plants, like you said, that help Ensign Wildman's baby to recover. Uh, but they, I'm glad Wikipedia didn't just leave that as a dangling thread. <laughs> they all watch in bewilderment and awe as Voyager, wow, who wrote this? As Voyager descends to the planet to pick them up. Tom Paris greets Janeway and the crew on the bridge and explains suitors deeds and death so well we'll get into it in sick bay there's a brief conversation over the bodies of seska and suitor uh tuvork wishes for suitor the peace uh, he had not been able to gain in life and voyager continues on its journey home what was this thing i agonized over this one uh because it's really just about how do we get the ship back right like yep. It was just undoing some shit. Yes, so, let's undo part one. How do we do that? Here's where I landed, and I'm sorry about this. Sometimes you have to kill, and sometimes you don't. Nice. Sorry, guys. Do better. Yeah, that is their fault, for sure. I gave it one point. It's like... Yeah, that's a one-point take, for sure. On the planet, Chakotay and Janeway are determined to to coexist peacefully with these fucking cavemen. Unlike Tuvok. Despite the fact that Tuvok is like, listen, I've got a bow and arrow. I know how to make one. I can make We more. can kill these guys. We probably outnumber them. Let's just kill them. We should be prepared with the effort they did that we have to kill them. And, and honestly, we're Jim probably like, going to have to eat them. Come on, dude. Be Federation for like one minute. <laughs> I know you've not been all in the way Chakotay has been since this mission yeah. began, but still. But up on the planet, Suter is like, I don't know if I can do this, man. I don't know. I've made so much progress. I Since I was forcefully melded, I've made I'm so much very, progress. I'm very, very worried that if I start killing, I'm going to go right back to square one and become kill crazy. Mm -hmm. And the doctor's like, fucking man up and start murdering. I don't see any dead Kazon, so... You better get 
get rock to work. hard when you do it too. <laughs> Seriously, if you're not fucking these corpses afterward, you're not right in the head. I want to see evidence that your pants had suffered trauma from this. <laughs> yeah. So there's no there's no way that the thing can be about peaceful coexistence because um, boy, do the EMH and Suter not make that attempt. No. Uh, and then uh, whatever Paris is doing with the Talaxians is barely fucking in this episode. So. Good, good. I don't want any more of him. And we do get to. I hate ev- to see as much as I don't like looking at Neelix. I hate to see every other Talaxian. <laughs> they don't look good. Skinnier. It's not a good look for them. <laughs> it looks like true. they have way too much head. That's a good point. Yeah, though the uh, prosthesis really looks worse. Yeah, on a skinny one. Uh, that's all I could come up with. It's one point. Yeah. Um. Where are you? Maybe you can talk me out of it. Well, I just didn't try to link them both, because I couldn't. (laughs) So I said, uh, one must be willing to make the first gesture to overcome enmity. I just stuck it on a planet. It's very Trek, it's very Roddenberry, and it's not bad, but it only addresses what happens on the planet, right? Chakotay keeps going out of his way when these guys keep trying to kidnap and kill them and shit. Um, I couldn't find a good way to link it together with what was happening in space, so it's only four points. Because it doesn't address a lot of the episode. That's fine. We'll see. How does that factor into your execution score? Let's just swing right into it. Okay. It is dumb that Seska has to ask the doctor if he can lie. It is dumb that the doctor can just ask the computer who was on board and it tells him there's a Bajoran, but I guess Seska and Kulla never bothered to ask. Yeah, he beat him to that one. It is... They had 12 hours. They Um, had 12 hours to ask that question. It is dumb that the computer says 89Ks on and one Betazoid, but doesn't add one Cardassian or one half Cardassian, half Ks on? Right. Yep, that's very bad also. Everything that happened in that scene made me mad. Um, Burned, our old friend, uh, points out that they would have been better served keeping Seska around as a villain, but I disagree. Uh, me too. So, you know, the behind the scenes on this is that they were kicking Michael Piller out. Yeah. This was his last episode, and uh, because this was the last one filmed in season two, though it was the season three opener. Right. And going forward, they're done with him, and they were done with his ideas about how to tell stories on Voyager. And by the way, good. And fine. The first two seasons of Voyager have been awful. Yeah, that's good. Um. So... They have to get rid of the Kazon. We have to be done with the Kazon here. We have to be out of their space. It's it's insane that we're still dealing with the Kazon two, after two years in the Delta Quadrant yeah. for a ship that's supposed to only take seven years to get home. 70, sorry. Yeah, but yeah, Even they, so. they should 2,000 light years they or whatever, should, Yeah, right? they should have been flying straight away from here. They should be in places where no one has ever heard of the Kazon. Yeah. Um. So that's fine. But and then, ha- but keeping Seska around would just be like they didn't know what to do with Lon Suter. They no. stuck him in his fucking quarters, and then we saw him again for this episode, and then they killed him. Yeah. And by the way, I'd rather have him stay oh, around. Yeah, me too. All I was gonna say was she's already proven to be too smart for the crew. So yeah, she's smarter be- than all of them. So that ain't good. Yeah, they'd have to constantly be finding a way to get over that part of it so that the good guys could win, like they did in this episode, which was bad, where they just went, "Ah, oh, she's not really paying attention." 
and a console exploded. And a console exploded. Well, everyone knows that's you. what killed her. Go One to the of center of the room. Exploding console. Never. Li- no one ever listens to me. If battle's going down, don't be a hero. Get away from your station. Go stand in the middle of the room. Uh, I mean this. This came saying. up, right? This came up in the Voyager episode that was a bent reverse Benjamin Button. Yes. Tuvok, yes. Where he told the kids to stand away from the consoles when they took off. And I thought, finally, finally, finally it's some acknowledgement. <laughs> anyway, so I don't think it would have been good to keep her around. Because yeah. what are they going to do with her? She's smarter than them, and then they have to like dumb her down to make it up. Um, uh, Burns not right about a lot of things, but yes. I still, uh, I'm still glad that site exists. Oh, yeah. I, anyone should... Anyone doing meticulous Star Trek stuff is uh, is okay. Um, anyway, I liked the Suter Redemption arc, but only because I don't even remember who he killed. Like, his crime had no emotional impact on me. Didn't he kill that guy that was Chakotay's buddy? Yeah, but I don't remember that guy because he didn't exist before he died, right. right? Like, if he had killed someone important, maybe we would remember that and we would not be... F- very interested in the redemption arc of Lon Suter, but because I don't remember anything about his crime, I was like, oh, this guy's not so bad. I'm all in on this guy. Also, um, he was of an altered consciousness and personality post-mind meld, so it didn't seem entirely appropriate um, for him to pay, pay for his crimes the rest of his natural life. Because now he was a different person. I mean, a little bit, right? So anyway, I I, uh, I liked that part of it. Um, as I said, it didn't address... The take I had didn't address fully half the episode. So I gave it a four. This one was a major disappointment to me. The uh, season three opener? Yeah. I, I get that they're doing a big fuck you to the first two seasons. No more Seska. It's not Chakotay's baby, so he's free to just leave. Yeah. I think that killing off Suter was a real missed opportunity to explore how killing in wartime is different from murder. Yeah. For instance, how it would have what it would have done to his recovery. Um and you know, whether his heroics would have done anything to change his situation on Voyager would have been interesting. What Janeway would have done now that he's proved that he can be valuable to the ship, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So like uh, they could have killed him in a few episodes when we talked about it a little bit or something. Right? <laughs> right, if they yeah. didn't want to keep Brad Dorif around as a recurring character, right? They could have gotten rid of him later. By the um, way, I just think it's so interesting that he also played a killer on Babylon Five who undergoes a mind wipe. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's like it's not a just nice DS Nine that was uh, pinching. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Also, Janeway's tenure on the planet is so short and so weird and action-packed that we never learn any answer to whether they can survive without advanced technology. No. We just get a vague sense that they're going to figure out a way to make peace with the natives. So, on the whole... Like, this one is all missed opportunities. Even in the the second half of a two-parter where you know they have to end up back on Voyager at the end. Yeah. There's just... They just don't do anything with it. Uh, it's dumb action slock. I gave it a two. Okay. How's Ben through the top half of this episode? Well, uh, it looks like he gave it a three on the take. He he acknowledged that there wasn't much of a point to this episode. Uh, putting the welfare of others ahead of yours was something that he was able to come up with because of what 
uh, Suter was doing up there, and uh, Seska's last act was check on her baby, and Chakotay goes in to save Kes and Neelix. Um, so that was worth a three for him. And then he also gave it a three on execution. Um, they spent a little budget on effects, um, but there wasn't much point other than to resolve the cliffhanger. So kind of live in the same space there. Yeah. And he said he wanted to see more of them trying to live primitively, given that it was called Basics. Yeah. Well, again, that's sweet bow and arrow. It's true. We'll talk about that later. Hmm. Um, world building. Yeah. We have Thoron fields. Yeah, we do. We have phaser couplings. We have a scene that suggests that Kazons never played Wing Commander. Yeah, kickstop. Because Tom him. Paris gets him with a kickstop real good. Yeah. It's not a lot. No. It's not. I gave it two. Okay. For world building. I agreed. I have it as a two. Um, I guess Neelix is Hogan's superior officer? For some reason? Uh, at the end of the last episode... Janeway broke the teams up, and Neelix was one of the team leaders. That never made sense to me. He's not Presumably a, because he's kind of a scavenger and a scrounger. He's not even an officer, but he's telling Hogan to go into that cave and get eaten. Um, well, Chakotay ain't an officer. Chakotay's a damn traitor. Yep. Yeah. Uh, when Paris declared uh, all stop, we told the computer to all stop, the thrusters fired out the front of the nacelles to slow the ship yeah. down. How does that work? So I guess the nacelles are also the thrusters. That's wrong. I, don't, I just don't know what to say about that. Uh, Thorons are used not only to um, uh, mask your signature, but they also are used to treat burns, according to the doctor. Uh, there's an emergency medical comm channel. Don't yep. know why you'd ever need it, but there you go. That exists. It's as if... It's as if a thing we never see happens, which is people queue up to talk on subspace and that fucking channels get overloaded or something. <laughs> yes. So there's one that's reserved for medical emergencies. Yeah. Uh, not sure we talked about it before, but those Talaxian ships are uh, sort of interesting looking, like weird triangles. Um, oh yeah, a little bit. It was only a two for me because even the things I thought were new or interesting were kind of dumb. How about characterization? As you said, Paris knows the kickstop technique, and I have used it many times in Wing Commander. Uh, I guess Seska didn't get to know the Doctor very well. She doesn't even know if he can lie. Yeah. Just check the records. Like, this isn't a I mean, tough he, one. He's the one who figured out that she was a Cardassian, so like... Yeah. Well, you know what, though? She was avoiding him. I know. She was oh, avoiding having right, yeah. having those um checkups. having her checkups because she wanted to keep it a secret that she was a fucking Cardassian. But like, don't just ask him. You know, just like check the records and they'll tell you whether or not he can lie. That's um, a good point. It's probably written down somewhere. I guess she wasn't able to keep the Maj out of her um canard dispensary after all. Since <laughs> this baby is not Chicago. That's the best you can do. I don't know. I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> She should have been directing him to her obsidian order. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, sure. Because um, that is not that's not Chakotay's baby. Uh, give Chakotay some um, fancy replicated equipment, and he can build a bathtub, a headboard, a cabin. But, Can't make a fire. Otherwise, he's not great at camping, and it makes him really mad because his own understanding of the ways of his people is that there's a lot of camping involved. 
It's true. And you can tell he is ashamed that he's not good at it. He, he does say the very terrible line, you're stuck with the only Indian in the universe who can't make a fire by rubbing two sticks together. It's so bad. Some fucking racist wrote that down and loved it. It's so bad that they just keep doing this shit with this character. Um, did they just have Chakotay make an embarrassing like anti-racism gaffe when Tuvok was showing them the neat bow he made? Like, Chakotay comes up and he goes, look, Tuvok. Just because I'm an Indian doesn't mean I know how to use a bow and arrow. And, and Tuvok like, goes, my weapon. Uh, yeah, I made it for me. I know how to I use a bow I used to teach archery. And I thought, oh my god. Yep, that's exactly what it was. He said, what do you mean, you people? And then, Chikote, and then Tuvok said, I, was talking, I wasn't talking about you at all, buddy. Yeah, they made him um, too PC. So again, we get an idea of who wrote this script. And they're like, that's fucking political correctness that's getting us. It's gone wild again. I uh, can't even call an Indian an Indian anymore. Well, not on my watch. <laughs> um, let's see. Chicote risks a lot to make peace with these uh, these old weirdos on the planet, and that makes sense, given that he believes uh, they're going to be stuck with them for the long haul. Honestly, it also makes sense because Chicote is the guy who said, "Don't use a tricorder on these dead bodies." That's right, you assholes! How could you scan them? He's given a lot of thought to being respectful to other cultures, and he probably thinks this is going to get him a long way. Yeah. And frankly, it basically works. Um, Janeway is not afraid to order everyone to eat worms and shit, but don't worry, it's not necessary. Um, <laughs> no, but you know five people ate those worms <laughs> before Kim came running in with those fucking eggs. <laughs> they, now, Good news, I got Owan eggs. They're Fuck, gonna remember. I just ate worms. They're going to remember Janeway and Kim forever for that. They're just going to think about it all the fucking time, about the time they had eat those alien worms on that planet. Anyway, only like five of us had to eat worms, but I was one of them. <laughs> Janeway does not even give one half shit when Paris tells her they killed Suter. Oh, no. She doesn't she, even blink. She doesn't go to sickbay. No, no, she does not care at all. Yeah. She's like, oh, he helped save the ship? Yeah, well, fuck uh, that guy. At least I didn't have to execute him. I... I what happened is, in Tuvix, I realized, oh yeah, I can totally sentence someone to death. Yep. And I'm okay with it. So it made me really think I should have uh, ruled differently on the case of uh, all-pro tight end long suitor. <laughs> Actually, yeah, uh, it was the first thing on my list for when this whole case on shit was over. I was just going to come back and kill him. I was going to have him executed. I didn't like how he sassed me in his orchid room earlier, <laughs> so... Right. <laughs> Uh, okay, Suter is super bummed that he's gonna have to garrot some Kazons and wear their skin and shit. Yep. He thought those days were behind him. I actually thought best actor candidate tight end Lon Suter. He looks genuinely broken when he gets out of that tube with the dead Kazon. Like, he just <laughs> he lays on the ground. Extremely, he just, he goes fetal on the ground. <laughs> he just lays on the ground. <laughs> He just—he doesn't get to enjoy his redemption. And they didn't—they didn't get—they didn't, get, didn't get into it enough because they were too busy doing dumb. Oh, there's too many volcanoes on this planet. Yeah, but uh, it didn't look like he had any trouble killing that guy at all. No, no, I he think killed that's that guy part good. of why he's fucked up now. <laughs> he he's like, him. oh, nope, it's still real easy. It's like riding a bike again. All came back to me. <laughs> um, yeah, well, he's kind of a real actor, so it's like, yeah, he did know. a good job. He doesn't understand why Sheridan is angry at him in that last Babylon 5 scene. <laughs> no. His mind's been wiped. Um, Tuvork calls these dudes savages and then suggests murdering them real good. 
Yeah. He is also the only one to mourn Suter, so kind of a mixed bag with him. Well, but only because he's personally mind-melded with him. This is what he's we've just, talked about. Does he visit all the just prisoners? A, he's or? just exactly like uh, when Homer Simpson tells John Waters' character that he's alright, because he personally <laughs> saved his life. That's right. Uh, the Doctor is quick to admit to Siska that he's part of the scheme. I think I would have tried to play it out a little bit longer, but I think we were starting to run out of episodes, so there you go. Um, I think he just was trying to keep Suter a secret longer, right? Like, and uh, and then he also gives he knows Suter's going to need that pep talk from beyond the grave, so he gives him a good one. Do it. Well, he us- saw him. He saw him lying on the floor <laughs> about fifteen minutes ago, so he knew there was some work to be done. He gives him a real good murder one more guy for the Gipper speech before yep. uh, for the final confrontation. Um, I liked the work by Suter. Um. I can't say I really like the work anybody else did, um, but I'm going to give it a five. Wow. You like Suter that much, huh? I thought it was nice to see someone uh, doing some acting on the screen. I get Janeway and Chakotay trying to establish peaceful coexistence with the natives. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. What's with Murder Happy Tuvok? What's always with him? What's his They're deal? just like, you're Worf oh, on this show, is, and is Worf that, would be like, kill these guys. Is that the Suter in him? Well, so this is what I wrote. Does okay. he still have a little piece of suitor in him? I think he might. Please explain it or show it or let it, like... Oh, yeah. It sucks that we have to theory corner this. Yes, please tell us yeah. what's happening. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, also, apparently, Bellana was good at everything at the Academy. They must have been bummed when she left. <laughs> well, they never she even She starts really to launch into this spe- speech about how the Academy track and field team ca- uh, coach wanted her to stay. That's right. By the way, what a brag! She knows no one can. All look that I asked up was now. for volunteers to sprint. <laughs> yeah, we didn't need your fucking life story. Oh, I get it. Yeah, you're a great athlete. Oh, you're you won state. That's great. Yeah, well, we can't check that out. I guess. I uh, I had this one at a four characterization okay. wise. On the bottom half, uh, Ben has a four for world building. He gives it continuity points for seeing the Wildman baby. Man, I ain't gonna give it continuity points every time that baby shows up. Nah, not yet. Uh, he says those Paleolithic aliens are pretty smart. Though, again, they haven't seen a bow and arrow. Yeah, I went down a fucking wild rabbit hole. You're like, about... when does the first bow and arrow appear in history? How does this uh, work? Long ass ago. Way yeah. in caveman times. And also, almost everywhere in the world, although not in Australia. Hmm. So I gave some people some sass in a previous episode for not having invented the bow and arrow. Yeah. But it uh, turns it out was, it is um, possible. Was it that TOS episode? Yes. Yeah, where those big dudes didn't have bows and arrows. Uh, he says, just because Neelix is a pal, now all the Talaxians are allies. They yeah. actually set that up last week and did not explain That's why what... they thought they could call on the Talaxians for I help. Specifically what they're complaint. giving the Talaxians in return. Mm-hmm. Why they would risk coming and fighting uh, the Kazon Nistrum, particularly after they've taken Voyager. Oh yeah, we for sure talked about it last week. It was wild. Yeah. They're just like, oh, and I got the Talaxians on uh, speed dial. And it's like, but... Why do they care? He has got uh, five characterizations saying that Makiga, he means Scott Thompson, who dies, calls Neelix sir, so yeah, he must be an officer. It's so weird. I didn't like it at all. I don't uh, understand weird, what Neelix's role is. Weird that Seska really did think the baby was, I think he means to say Chakotay's here. Yeah. Um, 
Chakotay can't start a fire. That's fine. He lives in the fucking space future. Why yeah. would he be able to start a fire? But the important part about characterization he is that when he, he was a te- we've seen when he was a teenager and he was in the fucking jungle with his daddy living wild. He hated it. Yeah, he wanted a replicator. But now he's ashamed that he can't start a fire. Tuvok thinks he's a black Legolas. Uh, yeah. Seska and the Doctor's interplay worked fairly well. Yeah, the Doctor is a little arch, and the, his character is very weird. I don't think the actor is bad. Yeah. He's irritating, he's but bit... I think he's supposed to be. Yeah, that's the problem. I don't know whether the actor is too broad, or if it's just the character. And then he's, he says here, sue me, I liked the weird suitor arc. That's the only thing we liked from this episode. Yeah. So, you're not gonna get any... Good thing they killed him! Us there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Fucking assholes. Uh, he says Seska was one of the more interesting characters and a decent accent actress even if her story arc was a little too complicated uh i am inclined to agree we'll get into it in quick hitters but i did give her best actor for this one could have been suitor suitor would have been my number two uh i guess i should do quick hitters here yeah you're up uh this is some b5 level cgi i looked it up it was actually the guys who did the cgi for babylon 5 there you go nice job they brought him in to do that land eel uh, whoops, the, uh, these natives want to sex up the little blonde girl. That's not problematic at all. She's two. She's two. Oh, they should have told her she's two. She should have said, I can handle it, I'm two. Um, if Tuvok just taught these people the bow and arrow, that's a prime directive strike. Oh, yeah, that's true. They're gonna find that bow. I hope he takes it with him. Yeah, well, they've seen him use it. I so know, but The idea case, exists. All they've got to do is figure out how to do it. <laughs> Uh, in retrospect, Chakotay got that second guy killed for nothing, since they ended up just leaving the cave the way they went in. Yeah, all they needed was the distraction. Yeah. Uh, again, the five people who ate those worms must have been pissed. Yeah. <laughs> Big Prime Directive violation landing the ship again. Paris should have beamed the crew back up, but he's probably just... the last dude to think about the Prime Directive. Yeah, but what is the advantage of doing it that way anyway? What's the advantage uh, of landing not, it's the gotta, ship? It's got to burn so much resources to land that fucking ship and take off again. I didn't understand it the first time when it was the evil maniacal plan of what's his name. I really didn't understand it this time. Yeah, is it like they don't have their uh, comm badges on? That's oh, fine. Yeah, they did. Take all you got to do badges. is find the caveman alien and then beam up all of the other people that aren't the caveman also, aliens. Sometimes the sensors are definitely able to tell who's a human and who's a Talaxian and whatever. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy it. I mean, they, we know the internal sensors can, sort of. They don't, they're not so good at determining which is between Kazons and Cardassians, it turns out. <laughs> well, they're very similar. Uh, so um, they accidentally did a real prime directive here. They yeah. really, who watches the watchers to this thing? There's going to be a crazy cargo cult about an enormous <laughs> ship that comes down. That's right. And, I guess uh, they never thought they were going to have to answer to the Admiralty about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> fucked this planet up real good. I wonder if it's something Starfleet could even repair once they figure out how to get back to the Alpha Quadrant and send people back, if that's even possible. Yeah. I don't think there should be a Star Trek Online mission where you try to undo some fucking damage. I mean, since they promoted this lady when she gets home, I don't really get the feeling they cared. Nah, nah, nah. They weren't going to read all those logs. Nah, she brought the ship back. That's pretty good. It's a lot of work. She told them she won state. And uh, yep. they just took our word for it. I gave best actor to Seska and worst actor to talking to himself in the shuttle, Tom Paris. Yeah, he's not good. Robert, hold on, I'm going to remember this. Robert. 
No, I didn't remember it. You're not going to remember it. <laughs> I couldn't. I wanted to remember Just his say name. Paris. I don't even remember what I called him the one time when I couldn't remember his name. I just it's thought of like, a white uh, name. <laughs> it's like uh, McNeil or O'Neill or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, Robert Duncan Robert McNeil. Duncan McNeil. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, three names. Robert sure. Duncan Regeer oh, is going be to be my better. Jeopardy before an answer, before and after answer. <laughs> Uh, Tom Paris and the Candle Ghost. It is weird how often I talk about Duncan Regeer just in my everyday life. No yeah, one listen, ever that understands. Ni- that 1990s Zora was foundational for us. What are your weird. quick hitters? Um, Hogan didn't want to go into the laser room, bro. <laughs> he really didn't. He looked in there and he went, that's a laser room. There's a laser in there. I don't want to go in there. And then he got eaten by a worm. So I don't want to pick up these fucking skeleton bones. Like what a, are we doing? Like, how do you think that skeleton got there? What? Why are you ordering me to do this? Um, That Talaxian that Paris is talking to went from, our ships are no match for Voyager and we're not going to commit suicide out here to, yeah, okay, we'll go get killed. After like one quarter told second of plan. Paris yapping at them. He didn't have a plan, but he told him he did. That's right, and that was good enough. The guy's like, yeah, alright, we'll do it. That's all I needed to hear. Uh, the peaceful Federation is at war with these natives within ten minutes of showing up on this dang planet. And then they probably killed that dino that I saw earlier, too. <laughs> um, it was worth the risk, but it's a good thing Paris was right about the Talaxians. Like, they could have just seized Voyager and mined it for new technology. That's a very good point. But I mean, just... they, well, they stormed the ship and yeah. killed Kazons. By the way, we didn't see any of that. No. We never saw a Talaxian boarding party. No, we just saw them they didn't want, They'd the already stations. made up Talaxian makeup for that one guy. They weren't doing it anymore. But, like, he really trusted them. And again, I get that he, this was the best possible plan they had available. But, like, <laughs> they could have just took that thing back. Um, that's it. That's all I had. All right. Uh, Ben had no quick hitters for this one or for Enterprise, by the way. I think he was in a hurry to get his notes in. He might have been in a hurry. (laughs) Um, second place last week Mm. was Deep Space Nine. Okay. So next in the order is Crossover. Crossfire! You'll get caught up in the... Yeah, well, they've earned their fee. What episode was that for? Uh, There was one that was called Crossfire, wasn't there? (laughs) A ceasefire? Oh, it was ceasefire. Was that two ago or one ago? I wouldn't be surprised if there was an episode somewhere in one of these series called Crossfire. I'm going to take a random guess and try this one. Oh. Yes. I always forgot it had that Dynasty Warriors guitar. (laughs) Oh, that's right. This is somebody doing this. Who is that again? Uh, Steel Panther. Okay. Yeah, I always I forgot that that was somebody doing a rendition of that song, and that's why it had Dynasty Warriors guitar in it. Uh, yeah, well, I think if the Dynasty Warriors guitar had existed when that Crossfire commercial was made, they would have put it in there. Crossover. <clears throat> Bashir and Kira are returning from New Bajor, a colony in the Gamma Quadrant. Mm. Have you heard about that before, by the way? Nope. I don't think so. Nope. And, of course, he is irritating her. Even maybe hitting on her, though he denies it. Mm, he sort of denies it. He he denies it, and then he goes, but if I thought... And then she cuts him off, where I think he's going to say, but if I thought you were interested... 
Uh, yeah, exactly. Then yes. We love so he's joking it. unless she's not. That's exactly right. Um, when they have some kind of uh, field uh-oh going into the wormhole. Yeah. And when they emerge, a Deep Space Nine is not where it should be. Instead, it's way out orbiting Bajor. Where and they are boarded. They are boarded by where it started, where it should have been all along. <laughs> I, jumped, for a second, before show jump the shark. Even though I know what this episode is, for a second I was like, maybe now they can do the show that we wanted yeah, to see. <laughs> just Cardassian and Bajoran politics. <laughs> and they are boarded by Klingons, what? Um, who show an extreme deference for Major Kira. Hmm. When they get to the station, Garrick, Gull Garrick, hmm. insists that she's an imposter. Probably because another Kira is right behind her. Mm-mm. The station is Terok Nor, the center of authority for the Alliance, and they seem not to know about the wormhole, even when they say wormhole. <laughs> That's right, they go, hey, uh, we just came Klingon to this wormhole. Klingon ship never saw wormhole? it, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Klingon ships are not capable of detecting wormholes, we no, even when they're on the main viewer, they, don't, I don't, yeah. they can't get it. Uh, they send Bashir to the work camps. Yep. We're in the mirror universe, by the way. I don't think I wrote that down. No, it's, it should be clear. We are in the dang old TOS mirror universe. We are where uh, Spock... <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Kira, uh, Kira on, this, on this version of the station holds the position of intendant, and Garrick seems to be the head of security. Odo's running the mines. O'Brien is there as a prisoner. But he seems to be fixing things. I fucking hate this. Uh, So Bashir gets set to processing ore, and Intendant Kira begins questioning our Kira. Mm -hmm. She uh, does a quick little catch-up on the history of the Mirror Universe. Uh, Mirror Spock uh, became peaceful, made the Terran Empire too weak to withstand the Klingon-Cardassian alliance. Yep. And she also explains that, unlike in our universe, apparently, they've thought about it, and they have a protocol for contamination. Yeah. And she has an obligation to dispose of anyone coming from the good side of the universe. That's right. They even changed all the transporters after. Yep. Um, Kira proposes instead that she learn from the Intendant, because clearly they have a strong Bajor here, and that's what she wants on her side. Mm-hmm. And a uh, horny old intendant, Kira, agrees and puts her uh, puts her up in uh, quarters on the station somewhere. Right. Actually gives her kind of a wide latitude, because the next time we see her, she's down inspecting the ore processing. And uh, having a little chat on the sly with Bashir, while Odo just stands around in the background, apparently not able to hear them. Yep. Uh, and she and Bashir decide that their best chance to leave is to engage uh, Mirror O'Brien... Just in case he knows anything about transporters here. They don't know that yep, he does. It is really a just in case. But they, again, they don't got good options. Neither of these two is a transporter genius. Yeah. So she also goes to visit Quark. Um, but it's kind of a different Quark. He's dressed less ostentatiously. Um, she pretends that she's friendly with the Quark from her side uh, to see if he can get transporter time for her. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't seem to know what Latinum is. And at this point, Garrick shows up to arrest him for helping smuggle Terrans off of the station. Mm, everything is backwards. Quirk's good here. You get it, everyone? His trafficking is not sex trafficking now. That's right. It's saving some some dang old humans. Uh, so Kira watches the Klingons drag him away, but that's when Mirror Sisko suddenly appears and takes over behind the bar. 
Dashing Pirate Cisco. That's right. Uh, meanwhile, Bashir kind of fails to engage O'Brien, who tells him they're not friends, etc. Uh, and O'Brien actually gets called up to the bar by Cisco, who it turns out is, as you said, running some kind of Mad Max Raider crew <laughs> who do some kind of missions for the Intendant, but it's not clear what exactly. Also, I wasn't sure what all of the things he was saying, which parts were sex on Tondra and which parts were not. It's not clear. So. Um, so it seems Cisco seems to have some influence here because of his position under Kira. And, but, um, he does get kind of a weird look on his face when Intendant Kira calls him up for sexing. Mm-hmm. That seems like maybe he's afraid of her, doesn't quite love his scenario, his situation. It's also not clear if our Kira sees that. Right. Or if it's just the camera that sees it. But the next time we see, uh, Kira, she is in the Intendant's quarters the intendant is bathing and the lounging Cisco is playing with a knife in some kind of weird post-sex haze, I guess. Mm, yeah. Seems to be the implication. They sexed so much he's got to play knifey spoony. That's <laughs> how it works. Um, Cisco leaves and the intendant tells Kira that uh, she knows about the, her transporter idea, but uh, transporters have been fixed. So yeah. ain't going to happen. Can't get back that way. And then she says that she just wants Kira to love her. That's all. Because if she can't, who can? Uh, at this point, Garrick arrives with Quark, and the intendant uh, sentences him to a quick death. Mm. So we don't see it carried out, but we get the idea that it happened. No more Quark. Yeah, there's a lot of killing off of characters. I don't think they thought we were going to be back in this universe. They might not have thought we'd be back two or three more times. Yeah. Four times? Is Are there five times? I don't know. One fucking DS9? million. Way too many. There's a lot. Way too many. Uh, when Kira gets back to her quarters, Garrick appears and proposes a betrayal of the Intendant. He's... He wants her to take the Intendant's place, announce that... Uh, Mira Kira went the fuck back to her universe and then uh, give, give it a couple weeks for everyone to get cool and then step down and give the station to Garrick. He is the Lee Kuang Tzu of this universe. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't think she trusts Garrick because Kira goes and warns Bashir that they got to get out of there that night. <laughs> Some shit's about to go down. It doesn't really involve us. Let's get the shit out of here. Like... Uh, we're giving people the opportunity they have long looked for here, so let's not be around when this all goes bad. Right. Meow! That was mad at me. Um, so Kira goes to Cisco, tries to get him to help her escape. He doesn't think much of her appeal. And uh, we next see a fancy party, which is being held at Quark's bar, but, I mean, Quark's dead, so who knows what, who's running this bar now. Right. But I guess that's the fanciest place on this ore processing station. Um, let's see. We see uh, Sakira's in a fancy purple dress. Yeah. One of Cisco's men offends a Klingon guard. Cisco looks like he's about to intervene, but that's when uh, the intendant shows up in an identical dress, which is how you know she's crazy. Yeah, she's a sex pervert, and we've known that from the moment we met her. Yep. Uh... But suddenly there is a thorium leak in the ore processing center. By the way, it's not clear why. No. Was this part of Garrick's plan? Is this part of uh, Bashir and Kira plan? Or is it just coincidence? Right. We never learn. But 
Bashir grabs a phaser, shoots Odo, and escapes. Odo's dead. Kills Odo. He explodes. Kills Odo. Mirror Odo is dead. Yeah. He runs across O'Brien in the maintenance tunnels. And O'Brien agrees to help Bashir get to his runabout if uh, they'll take him with him. Because mm-hmm. he's sick of this universe, too. But they run into this Klingon, uh, T-Lock. T-Lock? Yes, you might, you might know him as Nudak. You know him as Nudak. <laughs> yeah. Uh, immediately. Yes, the moment he opens his mouth, you go, Oh, Nudak! Okay. Right. Uh, anyway, they take, uh, this Klingon takes them to the Intendant. The attendant tells Garrick to make an example of Bashir. I got kind of crucifixion vibes about mm, this one. Mm-hmm. And asks O'Brien why he would betray her. And uh, O'Brien, uh, Cole Meany does his best acting of Deep Space Nine so far here, yeah. I would say. Because he gets a little bit quiet, asks her if she really wants to know. And he basically tells her he wants to be somewhere where a Terran could be a doctor or a chief of operations or something and not just a slave, whatever. He also is very honest. He even admits that he's not even sure what Bashir is saying is a real thing. He doesn't know if it's, any of it's true, yeah. but he hates this place. Uh, but this is enough for Cisco. Cisco yeah. is much more moved by O'Brien than he is by anything that uh, Kira says. Right. So he uh, pulls his gun... Everybody makes for the runabout. They split up. Cisco's going to stay on this side and be a troublemaker. O'Brien decides to be part of his crew so that we don't have to have two O'Briens again. Mm-hmm. It was bad last time. It wasn't great. <clears throat> and uh, Bashir and Kira make for the wormhole under attack by a Klingon cruiser. But luckily no one fixed their runabout, so they've got the same plasma leak as before. So when they go through the wormhole, they end up back on their own side. Yeah, as you know, that's how it works. You just kind of... You just go back through. You just have a go through with a broken ship. That's basically how you get to the mirror. And by the way, Matthew, they don't end up back on the Delta Quadrant side. I mean, the Gamma Quadrant side. Yeah, that's weird. They, they end, end up, up well. On maybe the they just didn't side. show us the scene where they landed in the Gamma Quadrant, fixed the fucking plasma leak, and, and then, then came back. back through. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you're about to ask. Also, me. no one said. By the way, they, Cisco calls and doesn't say. Hey, Bashir, you look like real shit. And uh, hey, Kira, what's up with that dress? Yeah, you guys went through a real thing, huh? Yeah. I'm guessing there's a story here. Now she just says we've been through the looking glass, Commander. Ugh, I'm she didn't just say, you better come see this. <laughs> That's right. Just <laughs> first thing out of her mouth when the fucking view screen comes on. What's this dang old episode about, Matthew? All right. I guess it's about what all the Mirror episodes are sort of about. How if you had been born in a different time or place you physically identical would be a completely different person with still in that same place and time (laughs) knowing all the same people (laughs) uh you know different ideas and principles and standards etc um that's like a cool thing to think about it's not really a take that's like a neat concept um so it's a three Okay. Uh, I'm, I guess I was a little bit more bullish. Than, not a lot. I thought that the take of this episode is uh, no desire is greater than that for freedom. Oh, that one it's again. A, it's a real cooked take. Um, but we see humans are constantly trying to escape Tarak Noor. Yeah. Despite the fact that Garrick has been making examples of them to the point that the intended is a little turned off by the whole thing. Yeah, she doesn't want him doing any more of that shit. Uh, O'Brien's got a reasonably privileged position on this ship as does we didn't mention it but in the very opening scene we see a human who had been trying to escape and who eventually fingered quark 
Yeah, uh, gross. Who was a theta and was, for attempting to escape, demoted all the way back down to Lambda. I don't know what any of that means, no. but she made it seem like being a theta was pretty good. Yeah, I kind of wanted to put that into the world building, but I didn't understand what it meant. Yeah, and after having heard Bashir talk about his universe for a few minutes, O'Brien's like, yeah, 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 yeah I'm out of here. Yeah. And also, Cisco turns down his even more comfortable role as Kira's privateer yeah. after hearing O'Brien talk about why he wanted out. <laughs> That's right. So clearly, all of these people want to be free. Yeah, I, I get it. But I only think that's worth four points. This is like the most common idea, and every other time it's done better. Yeah, Ben has no take, but it's fun. He says, <laughs> I know I differ from you guys here. The mirror, mirror Universe thing is a bit akin to like a singing episode or something. You let the writers it go is, long it enough. It is like the musical episode of DS9. <laughs> you let the writers go long enough and they have to try it. He says it doesn't bother him just to have a story um, for the just for the telling so he enjoys it um even though by nature it can't score much he gave it two for having no take which is something we would never do i would never yeah uh and just to wrap it up on execution he gave it a four uh alternate dimension to allow for some fun mirror acting finally some kira we get to see her cut loose a bit i think he meets other kira real kira didn't get to cut loose much um and uh, he likes continuity of it so well Speaking of execution... Mm. You want to execute the writer of this episode. I give it a seven. Oh, whoa! (laughs) So not what you were expecting at all. Disgaeodo! It would be nice if the take played out at all in that Kira Kira story. Yeah. Right. However, uh, one thing this episode does reasonably well is show contrast with the last mirror romp. Mm. In, uh, In TOS, everybody is a cowboy. And like a white hat cowboy. And the mirror versions are all evil. But in Deep Space Nine, everyone is um, already a little more shades of gray. Right. And so their counterparts are not as different. Like, Intendant Kira doesn't seem to be particularly brutal as a leader. Yeah, as we pointed out, she doesn't really... I think maybe Garrick's stuff has some penis stuff going on. Who knows? He's weird. She's asking him to please tone it down a little bit. Cisco uh seems to be kind of making the best of a bad situation garrick might as well be the same guy garrick is the same guy garrick is 50 50 light and dark in our universe and apparently that just means he's 50 50 dark and light here right like there's there's no difference quark's a villain in our universe and he's kind of soft here yeah odo is all about justice in in our universe but in that one he's uh fucking just crushing people under the wheel but i'm gonna admit here that part of this uh execution score is probably that i was so nervous when i saw sex kira oh and you were so happy that that, that her actual portrayal <laughs> and the, the way this episode went was kind of a relief yeah so uh yeah i have it as a seven wow i'm guessing you don't i, I don't um i'm trying to think on the fly if i should rethink this but i i'll just go through it and first, I should point out that I hate everything about the Mirror Universe. As yeah, it was a it was a bad move in TOS, yeah. but it was like already the fifth bad one of these. And TNG was so smart to not do this. Yeah, like just like right off the bat, it's the same issue I have with the Kelvin timeline. It's just like 
it's some bad 1960s style sci-fi where they're all teenagers and every they have different jobs and identities everywhere. And there's just it. no explanation no. for the crazy baffling things that are the same. Yes. Why are they all hanging out in the exact same place in the other universe if every other fact of their entire universe is different? Why do they all why even in exist? The world, why in the world is Terok Nor around Bajor staffed by enslaved humans? Yes, that would be good to know. It doesn't make much sense. I understand that they've overthrown the Terran Empire and Terrans are slaves, but yeah, why are they specifically in that locale? They dragged them all the way out to Bajor. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Um. Anyway, like I was saying, it's some bad 1960s-style sci-fi, which is why it appeared in TOS in the first place. But goddamn, why didn't it stay there? It should have. As an the example. Real, the real thing. Bashir thinks it's worth a shot to ask O'Brien, who is a stranger with uncertain knowledge and abilities, to figure out how to get them back to their universe. Why? Because he read the script, is yep. why. <laughs> and that's, you know, that happens like 50 times in this episode. Um, so it's very hard for me to to view this episode outside of that. I hate the Mirror Universe. I want it to go away more than anything. Um, small things, I did not enjoy the camera work on the runabout when those Klingons first beamed in. Oh, yeah, they, they put it at a real low angle, so you were looking right up their fucking noses. So, I so they'd so seem like, super Ooh. imposing. Ooh, look how big and imposing those Klingons yeah, are. Yeah, and like, also, oh, wait a minute, this is such a confusing situation. What's happening? It's like, yeah, all right, relax. Like, it looks bad. Um, I gave it a two. <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> All right. Um, we are drifting apart. World building. Yes. Where are you on world building? Why are the Bajorans opening colonies in the Gamba Quadrant? They can't even feed all the people yet. Uh, not because that one probe was so successful. I hope it's one of those five-person jobs from TOS. Like maybe a scientist and his staff and that's it. Well, apparently four people can live on one of their moons, so <laughs> they don't need a huge settlement. Uh, so anyway, new Bajor. Uh, Bajoran meditation, whether real or just a way to avoid talking to Bashir. Um, Tor Jolan, the uh, great Bajoran composer. So I guess what happens in the Mirrorverse has to count as world building since we'll never stop coming back here. So You watched the first season of Discovery, right? Isn't yes. it heavily Mirror Universe involved? It, it does end up that way, yes. Uh, yes. So all the stuff that happens with the Terran Empire, the Alliance, etc., all that background, I guess, has to count in here. Um, Bashir read about Kirk's transporter accident at the Academy, so I guess that's a well-known event. They didn't keep that secret or anything, they just... It's not classified like the incident at Corcoroli 5. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so, okay... All the Mirror Universe continuity would normally give points, except that I hate it. So, uh, I gave it a three. Uh, I gave it six. Yep, we are far apart on this one. We're drifting even further apart. Okay, so... Yeah, no, Mirror Universe continuity is the, is the big thing. Right? The whole history of the Mirror Universe. It's interesting that Kirk's... What seemed like his good action of convincing Spock to not be, to to reform, uh, hurt the Terran Empire. Uh, I have seen 
so the writers who the guy who wrote this script had the idea that the Terran Empire had been so brutal because its neighbors were correspondingly brutal. Mm. And so softening them up hurt the the empire. Yeah, it is an interesting idea that uh well for one thing, Kirk always thinks he changes everything and never goes back to check. And he just leaves and never checks on it. And in this case, it makes sense he didn't go back to check, but I like that it didn't work out, at least. This is one of two times it didn't work out. We know Khan is the other one, and who knows about all of the others, Yes, right? I assume most of them didn't work. Uh, also, I think it's just interesting that Kira doesn't know who Kirk is. I think that was a bold thing for the writers to put in there. Well, because, of course, she wouldn't. Why does every... Yes. We're going to meet a terrorist who knows everything about Earth history. Yes, we will. In, uh... I don't know, about 10, 15 episodes of TNG. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but it'll be a course, major question. Of course she doesn't know who Kirk is. No, and I hate when they do stuff like, Odo knows everything about the Klingon society and culture. And you just go, but why, though? When did it ever come Why would come Odo up? know that? Like, like does, I know that their day is 26 hours long, <laughs> but, like, is that extra two hours really doing it? Like, he was just a uh, specimen in a test tube until not that long ago. I mean, like, when did he acquire all of this knowledge? But sometimes they do that where everyone just knows everything about everything in the universe. Uh... So anyway, uh, in terms of world building, all of the big problems with the Mirror Universe are from the original. Like, yeah. there's really nothing different in terms of why are these people all here? In fact, some of them aren't. Like, there's no Bashir, there's no Dax. Uh, there's no Keiko. Don't worry. So cl- clearly, don't worry about it. It'll all. They're gonna. We're gonna see them all. I'll come back. <laughs> uh, if anything, it's less busted than the original Mirror Universe. So yeah. I'm at a six. Uh, and uh, I'm a four in characterization. We'll see if this is another one where you took a real, real big dump. But um, <laughs> I. My big concern is that I think it would be more in character for Kira and Bashir for their own various reasons to want to try and fight the injustices around them rather than just escape. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. She's uh... Bashir to be a hero and Kira because of her own history with being under the heel of the Cardassians and mining ore and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I was going to say the very familiar way that this all looks. Terok Nor mining Cardassians. She was up on this station 10 years ago and killed a guy. Like, it's very similar to that. Yeah. Um, No one else here is real, but I think we're supposed to see might-have-beens in each of them. Mm. Like, I think here we have a softer O'Brien who never went to war. Oh, he never, there was never a power play episode. Right. There's no power play in this uh, universe. We get Raider gang leader Cisco. Quark and Odo have swapped places. Yeah. Like to the fact where Odo is uh, quoting rules of obedience in this yeah, one. Yeah, they definitely did that on purpose. So I think that, that uh, the big problem is that it's the wrong choice of characters to send through. Although the only other character who could have played against themselves would be Quark. And I don't think it makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it kind of has to be Kira because she's the only actress on the show. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's so. true. Yeah, you can't really put um, fucking Ciroc Lofton in there. It's not going to work. I'm bad, uh, Jake. That's also, by the way, something we didn't get to see in the original Mirror Mirror was someone playing off against their exact counterpart. Yeah, they just completely swapped because of the transporter. Yep. Yeah. Uh, characterization, Matthew. Kira hates Bashir, and who can blame her? They went I back to it. showing what a turd he is. I guess so we know that despite 
what we know about him through his Garrick interactions, this is still how everybody else sees him. Yep. <laughs> like, he's different with Garrick. When he's around everyone else, he's still a piece of shit. First, he says that Tor Jalan is the best of the lot of Bajoran composers, but then immediately <laughs> says how derivative he is of the previous century's Baldaric masters. But so, apparently like, he didn't like any of them better. Yeah, talking out of both sides of his mouth here, this fucker. <laughs> then he says that Kira is one of the most interesting women he's ever met. Yikes. Then he makes her, makes her, call him Julian, and asks her to dinner. Yikes. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Bashir also doesn't like it when he's called Terran. Maybe he'll be less racist in his own universe moving forward. Um, despite Kira being in this episode twice, I didn't get the feeling we learned a ton about Kira. No, it's another thing is that we don't... Well, I mean, this is what I'm saying, right? Like, if Kira is in this, we should know how her past informs Mm-hmm. what she's feeling about yeah, this why did we situation. choose her and Bashir? Why? What was the point of choosing yep. these characters? It's the big flaw yeah. in this episode, I think. Uh, I gave it a Aside three. from having a Mirror Universe episode at all. It was a, it was a three for me. Okay. Ben is, uh, ben is a two on world building, says none of it counts because it's not in our universe. Like, maybe this is how Spymaster Garrick would act? I don't know. This is, like, military Garrick to me. Yeah, I feel He's like still he's... scheming, but this is not Obsidian Order stuff. Even though it's a completely different universe and he's had a different background and everything, you can't take the scheme out of Garrick, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he has a two on characterization. Says he didn't know Kira and Bashir had some kind of beef. It's true. Uh, Bashir's like, I'm glad we've been able to mend fences. And it's like, well, uh, he, he said he said a dumb thing in the pilot about being on the frontier. As far as I know, that is literally what they are. Yeah, that's like all it is. Yeah. And uh, now we know what would happen to Odo if he got phasered. Blows up. Straight explodes. Yep. He cold explodes. Maybe that's why he doesn't keep phasers around. Does not uh, accidentally blow up. Might as well do his quick hits. He says, can't say I mind, but Nana Visitor may, tries to make a lot out of that shiny bodysuit. He says that this is the exact level of sex appeal he wants in Star Trek. This much, but not Oh, like more. a sexy I an, walk? I read an interesting uh, thing about this, where the costume designer said a lot of people talk about this cat suit. Yeah. But she's just as covered. And it's just as tight as her regular uniform. Right. And all of the differences are the way she's playing the character. Oh, like she's acting. Yeah, like she's doing, she's an actor and she's doing acting. And that's yeah. why this Kira is sexy and the other one isn't. Yeah, all I notice is she's it's doing not, a, a real fuck me walk everywhere. It's, it, it, it is her fuck. She's doing a fuck me walk for yeah. sure. Yeah. So. Uh, that's an interesting thought is that the suit isn't really that different from her normal uniform. It's not as ugly. No, that uniform's very ugly. <laughs> God damn it, dude. I have so many problems with this episode. Anyway, um... Give me them quickies. I want them. Hey, it's Nudak. I mean, Telok. Sounds like a Romulan name to me, by the way. Telok does sound like a Romulan. He should have been sitting next to Tay. Yeah. Um... Were those Vulcans or Romulans as her freaky bath attendants? Yeah, good question. You'd want Vulcans, right? But not Mirror Vulcans. I couldn't get a good look at them. I couldn't tell. You'd want Mirror Romulans, probably. Yeah, because it's Flipsy. Mm. Um... They must not, again. They must not have known they'd keep coming back here because they killed off a bunch of people, like they killed yes. Quark and Odo. Uh, did like Mirror Mora make Mirror Odo what he is today? Does Mirror Kira go to the same barber as our Kira? Right. It's did like, Mirror and Nabrintane do something different? It's, it's yes. Mm, mm, mm. Mirror Cisco is almost Clock Cisco. 
but not he's quite. Very, he's so close. He's, he's so out of it. Yeah, he's not quite Clock Cisco, but he's it's on a the clock. way. <laughs> he's on the way. I should get a clip of that. I'm going to need it 400 more times before we're done. Yeah. Uh, hey, did that Klingon cruiser fire disruptors out of its warp cells? Yeah, it did. <laughs> it's so bad when they do that. Like, last episode. Hey, should we go look at an old episode to see where these things shoot from? Fuck it. Yeah, those things look like guns. Should shoot out the big sh- guns on the side. I just read a script where the uh, thrusters come out of the front of the nacelles for Voyager, so fuck any. Yeah. The nacelles are everything on these ships, everything is housed within them. Um, that's it. That's all I had for the quick ones. Uh, I wish they'd explained what happened to the Ferengi. Because they don't know what Latinum is, so, like, did the Cardassians get them a long time ago? We get the impression that the Cardassian space and Ferengi space are pretty close by, although it does make it seem like, I guess that means the next generation is just uh, the Enterprise flying in one big circle, because season one is all about Ferengis and season seven is all about Cardassians, so... Uh, I definitely got the feeling in season six and seven that they were pulling a Voyager and they were not really going anywhere, that they're just hanging out in that part of space. Maybe they don't trust Picard too much anymore after both worlds. Yeah, after the Borg stuff. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Mirror Spock must have really dropped the ball. Yeah. Uh, no Mirror Dax, Keiko, Jake, Nog, Bashir, or Rom. Don't makes worry. Makes it tough to understand the rules of the Mirror Universe. Oh. Like why those people aren't there. Oh, don't worry about it. It feels like changing the rules, that's all. Yeah. No, it's true. Where are they? Uh, maybe I, uh, maybe Mira Keiko's mom died, and so uh, or turned a hundred. Sorry, turned she 100. probably took all those people with them. That's right. It's a big party. Uh, I read that we'll learn that Jake was never born in the Mirror Universe. Yeah, but everyone else that you mentioned, maybe not Keiko. But again, that seems like a violation of the rules. So I don't know. But there will even someday be such as Mirror Rom. So great, fantastic. Yeah, well, they haven't that. yet figured out that Rom's a character. They've sort of played with it. Yeah. But it took him a long time to figure out that Garrick was a character. And it does seem like so. since Garrick came back, Rom has disappeared. So Yeah, they've only got so many. Uh, I gave Best Actor to Intendant Kira. Okay. I thought she was doing more acting than real Kira, and no one else was acting at all. I think that's right. I mean, Garrick would have been a third, but like... Yeah, I mean... Uh, he's like barely said. in it, and it's nothing interesting. Our Garrick is much more interesting than... Gull Garrick. Yeah, I guess you said O'Brien was better, but like, so what? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I gave worst actor to Rules of Obedience Odo. I don't understand his character at all. Like, we're in our universe, he believes we don't know that it's true because he doesn't know anything about himself at this point. He believes that his sense of justice is a racial trait. Yeah, he says maybe my people, right, have this drive or whatever exactly uh i don't nothing that he does in this explains anything about that i don't know anything about mirror odo and it doesn't give me any insight into non-mirror odo so yeah not to that um we got uh we got one more all right this one's gonna come in well it's tng that always takes a long time maybe this won't come in super short but we're, we're doing good on time i have lots of notes as always but maybe not as as many notes as well, we'll see. Last week, Q Who won. All right. Uh, so this week, uh, we watched Samaritan Snare. Uh, 
I'm just going to try to do this one from memory so I don't just keep getting fucked up by the Wikipedia article. You should know this one pretty good. Yeah, all right. So uh, this opens with Pulaski and Picard talking about some dang old nonsense. Uh, uh, he's He's got to go do some kind of procedure. She thinks she can do it, but um, he doesn't want her to do it for reasons that aren't exactly clear. So she's saying, hey, go to the, go to this starbase. Um, get get it get your thing checked out. Go do your medical thing on Starbase, whatever. Wesley's got to go there, too, because he's having some dang old Starfleet Academy exams of some kind. Are these, like, for credit at the Academy? Yeah, the way uh, the way I made sense of this is that this is like uh, when you're homeschooled, but you have to go in to take the standardized test. Yeah, got to take the star tests. Because they said, they set up that his previous exam results were good enough to get him academy credit for his studies on Enterprise, yeah. and basically that's what he's doing here, too. Yeah, so he's going in to get some more of that credit at the same place where Picard's got to go, so pff, boy, guess what? It's a road trip. Yep, they they're go getting in, in together. a shuttle together. A shuttle that doesn't have warp speed, which means they dropped him off somewhere in the system. Why Enterprise couldn't have gone all the way to Starbase 515, we'll never know. Yep. <laughs> It's not explained. Um, <clears throat> anyway, Picard... They leave, him, they leave him 14 hours away in a shuttle. Picard breaks it to everybody on the bridge that he's got to, like, go take care of a thing. It's a secret thing, but he's got to go take care of it at the Starbase. So he's going to miss the, the dang... Pulsar cluster Pulsar survey. survey that they're going to do. Ah, it's a real shame, but i got to not do it. And everyone is freaking out about it. Yeah. Riker is, like, losing his shit. He thinks maybe an alien has taken over Picard or something. Riker literally goes in there and says, you know, I'm authorized to, uh, I got, I got good security clearance. You could, <laughs> yeah. you could tell me. Picard has to tell them, nah, uh, this is, I knocked someone up. Like, he tells him it's is, a matter of pride. This is a personal thing, so don't ask me any more questions about it. I gotta go hang out with the boy. Um... <laughs> So they drop them off, as you said, uh, somewhere near enough to the starbase for them to get there in six hours or whatever by shuttle. Six hours? Four, it's fourteen. Take them God like 14 damn, it's a lot. That's a long trip. Um, just as they drop them off, they get a distress signal from from where? Oh, uh, Romboid Dronagar Sector Zero Zero Six. <laughs> they say Romboid Dronagar several times in that scene. Um. So, hey, they gotta go check that out, which means they can't uh, spy on Picard anymore, so, oh well. Uh, when they get there, they find uh, an old freighter uh, that seems to be having some distress, and when they try to talk to the dudes, uh, how do I put it? They, I think they wanted us to think they were a bit downsy. A little bit. These aliens. And they have a... I'm a little bit of a flat affect. And uh, I will say that when I watched it just this last time with a critical eye, I didn't find that that aged that well. Because it was clear what they were trying to evoke. Yeah, I'll give you that. I didn't love it. But what's um, even worse is the way the crew of the Enterprise treats these well, idiots. Well, it's the way they... Okay, Riker in particular, Cobb, we'll get into it. All right, let me just do the plot. <sighs> Their ship is hella broken, and they're not good at explaining what's broken. They need an engineer to come over and fix it. So, they only got three engineers or whatever. Riker sends Jordy. Worf is like, mm, I don't know, should we send Jordy? You know, let's just send someone else, or let's try to figure this thing out remotely or something. Don't send Jordy, we don't know anything about these guys, and Riker tells Worf to shut it. Um, yeah. So, they send Jordy over there, and, and everyone's 
real impressed with his work as he's fixing their ship that keeps breaking. Matthew, what's the engineer's name on that ship? Uh, Reginald. <laughs> See, what I'm trying to do is, because you're doing this one and not me, there are so many wonderful nouns in this episode, like Romboid Dronagar <laughs> Sector 006. Or, this is my chief engineer, Reginald. My my friend, this is my my friend Reginald. Reginald. This is Reginald. Would you, uh, you you can do this one if you, you want? Do you want to? You do this haven't one? yet said the name of the ship. Oh, what is the name of the ship? The Mondor. The Mondor. <laughs> Would you like? No, to no, do please it? continue. I just I'll okay. keep prompting you when okay. I need you to say something. I forgot physically. the name of the ship was the Mondor, but that is a good name. Um, You're not good with these alien ship names. You never remember the erstwhile either. No, I've. The, lost on that one a number of times um all right so reginald and jordy are going to town fixing all the systems that keep breaking and suddenly troy rushes up to the bridge and she's had one of her remote not even over the view screen emotional yep. senses about she was aliens. she was just weighed out on some other deck and she was like uh what the fuck i'm sensing so much deception it is driving me mad i have to go tell someone about it like, how does she know where it's coming from? How does she know it's not, like, six decks up that someone's being a real fucking shysty motherfucker? I, I don't know. Anyway. She knows no one on the ship is named Reginald. She does the <laughs> she sensed, reports. She straight sensed a pure Reginald up there. She just heard, like, a fucking whisper, Reginald. <laughs> and she went, oh, shit, I gotta go to the bridge right now. So she goes up there and she tells Riker, hey, um, these old boys, they playing a trick on you. They don't feel they don't feel helpless at all. No. You are being lied to. You are for sure being lied to, and they are. This is all a big trick. And uh, Riker looks back at Worf like. Ugh. Riker shuts her down so hard that Data has to pop up and be the dialogue oh, monster. Thank you for saying dialogue monster. That's what I have written. Did you take a clip? I did not. Come on. It's not that, the thing is, it's not that bad. He just says, our Betazoid counselor sometimes has... Into- no. Wait, hold on. I disagree. The way he I, said I think it I wrote was it down. nasty. The way he said it was wrong and bad. Our Betazoid counselor is often aware of things beyond our perceptive abilities. It, the way he says it, he's like, our Betazoid right. counselor is often aware of it's, things... It's, it's like, very... Oof. It's well, look, I'll play the clip it's most similar to. <laughs> Thank you. My first officer has taken an away team down to make contact, and they are in the process of returning to the ship. Riker says the black life forms are almost identical to us. She's very enthusiastic. Captain. Sorry, Troy. The doctor has something very important to tell you, Captain. The first grader wrote this. What's so good about it? It keeps getting wilder as it goes on. <laughs> Every time you go, oh, this is so dumb. It gets dumber. Mm, you've been talking about it all week. Surely for the crew. <laughs> anyway, it's basically yeah. that. All right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, she's she is now also put in her two cents. She's on Worf's side. These guys aren't to be trusted. Whatever. Just as Jordy has, uh, thinks he has fixed everything and is ready to beam back over, mm, they straight pull his phaser out of his belt and shoot him. They take his phaser from him and shoot him. They just take his phaser and blast him. I like that they sent him over there with a phaser, just in case. But, like, he is caught entirely by surprise. He's as fooled as any of these people. Yeah. Like, he, I think he's a little physically nervous, because these packlets are a lot bigger than him. They're big, dumpy dudes. These are some big, these are some big potatoes of men. Yeah, they're even potato-colored, really. Uh-oh. I mean, they're, yes. Yeah. They have, by the way, great military eyebrows. They do, it's true. Very martial, I would say, yeah. Um, anyway, they, they shot Jordy, and uh, 
they ask if they've got uh, Riker's attention, and uh, they want all of their computer things. All of their yep. records. And... All of their computer information, yes. Yeah. That's the price of sending Jordy back. So the rest of the episode is Riker spent uh, spending time talking to Troy and Worf, always the greatest resources, um, about what the hell to do to get these dudes, to, to get uh, Jordy back. They can't fire on the ship, because, like, they might hurt Jordy. And they can't give him the computer things for obvious reasons. Because it turns out what these boys do, the game that they play, is they do this trick on everybody. Yep, they got some Romulan shields, so they fucking... There's some pissed off Romulan commander out there. Mm-hmm. Who's just like, nobody, his... nobody say anything about this. <laughs> he gave up his, his computer information, he gave them his computer things, and... Uh... And got back his crewmen, I guess. I would think that they run into... They mentioned that on the ship there's Romulan, Klingon, uh, and... Harada? Uh, Harada is mentioned twice They fooled in insects! Yep. So, I wouldn't think the Harada, Romulans, and Klingons have been shown to necessarily care that much that they would... That you think that would have just blown, blown the, the shit out of these fires. ago. <laughs> but apparently they've... Maybe they've pulled a different kind of trick on them. Uh, in Unification Part 2... Mm. When the Romulan invasion force is discovered, a Dideradix uncloaks and cold wipes out like 15,000 Romulan soldiers. Yeah. But so maybe it's a different trick. Maybe the Packlets have pulled all kinds of tricks on people. Um, So anyway, they can't give them the computer things and they can't attack the ship. So they got to come up with something else. I'll get to the Picard plot. Uh, How this part resolves is uh, they pull some. some trickery of their own. They get on the viewer and they tell Jordy all about the hydrogen collectors and the 24th level of whatever that Worf's talking about. Awareness, which leads to heroic salvation. Yes. Um, it's the gateway to heroic salvation, sorry. 24 is the gateway to heroic salvation. Uh, so that Jordy knows that they're going to do one of them 24 second plans for the. They're going to shoot the hydrogen collect, the buzzard collect, whatever, whatever those things are called. The Bassard Collectors, yeah. Um, anyway, they Jordy makes the Packleds think that Enterprise has used something called the Crimson Force Field to disarm their weapons, and then the Packleds give up. There's no better way to describe what happens. <laughs> no, I'm afraid you're right. The Packleds just they straight give up. They talk in the worst, stupidest code, and it takes Jordy a long time, and I'm on Jordy's side. <laughs> it's because it's a very bad code. <laughs> you're sitting there going, what the fuck are these guys fucking talking about? Like, even when he figures out it's code, he's like us when we figure out Minute Oil lyrics. He's like, all right, but what does that fucking mean? Anyway, uh, the Packlets straight give up. There's no reason why they can't just keep their shields up, but they drop them, and they get the Enterprise gets Geordi back. And then they do nothing. And then... <laughs> they leave, because at this point, the, B, the yes. B plot has become urgent. Meanwhile, um, Wesley and Picard have a super awkward trip. Uh, where Wesley asks lots of inane questions, things like, were you ever married? Why don't you have kids? Did uh, you ever want kids? Yeah, don't you don't want you kids? Don't you get lonely? You're old, though. Shouldn't you have kids I by know now? you hate kids. Why don't you like kids anymore? I thought maybe you'd like kids. Um, they eat some sandwiches, some little fucking finger sandwiches, and... Picard replicates for him and Wesley Crusher to eat mm-hmm. cucumber and tomato sandwiches. Uh-huh. And they have a nice Buddy, little time. Wesley should have gone. Do you have? Do you have bologna? Can you have? I want some. Um, do you have chicken nuggets or pizza? <laughs> I usually eat pizza. Wesley My mom pressure. makes me pizza. Can I get just a big bowl of chocolate? 
My mom's not around these days. <laughs> I, eat whatever I mainly I just want. eat a big bowl of chocolate. I eat Lucky Charms on top of chocolate ice cream. Um, hey, dog, that's not pretty good. <laughs> uh, Riker, I mean Riker, Picard regales him with stories of uh, getting stabbed in the heart. And uh, tells him that he's going to the Starbase to get his dang old artificial heart replaced. Because uh, they didn't do such a good job when they gave him the first one. And uh, Wesley again asks dumb questions like, why would they give you a bad artificial heart? I can't, I could not believe that question. Fucking shut up. Uh, They get to the Starbase. Wesley, it turns out, has been uh, tasked by uh, Dr. Pulaski to make sure that Picard goes in and gets his heart fixed. So I guess he walks him in there. Uh, Picard uh, goes under the knife, and shit goes really, really wrong, and everyone in the room goes, well, I don't know how to fix it! And uh, then they have to call in Pulaski, who uh, comes in after the whole Pac-Led thing has been resolved, uh, saves Picard's dang old life, and Picard is super embarrassed about it. Uh, Then he goes back on the ship, and he tells everyone never to think about it and not to look at him. And uh, that's the end (laughs) of the episode. Yep. So what was it about? In space, mm. arrogance can be deadly. Oh. Picard's fight with the Nausicans was because he was arrogant and undisciplined, right? Everyone else at the base knew not to get in these idiots' way yep. that they were spoiling for a fight. Except but he knew friend, he could take them on. Gordon Zweller or whatever Well, listen, is. the way he tells this story is very different from what we see in Tapestry. Yeah. He fights three Nausicans on his own. There's no mention of Domjot. No. In his story, they just come into the bar and are being dicks. And he tells them uh, that they have questionable parentage. And he talks about their whole planet. So their whole planet shit. and their species. Yeah. And then uh, he fights all three of them and one of them stabs And him. he did a cool like double jump kick. And... He, had, he had one in a somewhat devious joint lock. <laughs> yeah. This is not what we'll see in Tapestry. So <laughs> I have a big question about that. Is he lying to impress Wesley? The answer is yes. You don't have to wait. The answer is yes. The answer is yes to that question. (laughs) That's theory corner. Yeah. Uh, So it's because he was arrogant and undisciplined. Riker fails to take the pack lead seriously because of arrogance. Yeah. In the end, Picard would have been better off staying on Enterprise and letting Pulaski perform the surgery, but he doesn't because of his pride, which is in that ballpark, right? Sure. Yeah. So he still hasn't fully learned this lesson, but that's fine. This is going to be another opportunity for him to pick that one up. So, um... I mean, even Wesley displays a little bit of arrogance when he tells Picard he's got women figured out. He's got it all handled. Don't worry about him. He knows about boobs. He's fine in that department. He knows about boobs and the uh, the other the one that's lower. The lower boob. <laughs> the lower boob. He knows the midline boob. <laughs> he knows about the lower boob. On the other side is the butt. So he's got it all covered. I know all about that. I fed a girl chocolate once. <laughs> anyway. Um, I think it's fine for this to be a take. Like, don't be, and then some negative attribute is kind of fine for Star Trek, even though in most cases, and in this one, you don't really need sci-fi to handle it. Yeah. Uh, I gave it five. Okay. Uh, mine was, I don't know, it's, I guess it's related. Um, being in command doesn't mean you're invulnerable. Uh, Picard, with his many personal flaws in this episode, like you talked about, his weird pride... Uh, gets him in trouble because again I don't really I watched the whole episode a million times and I still don't really understand what he's worried about but um, Riker makes every misstep possible uh, but has <laughs> he the, does Riker fucks this one up all over <laughs> has the irrational confidence to pull it out in the end 
Uh, only a dummy would need this to be told to them, that being in command doesn't mean you're invulnerable, so I can't really award a lot of points. I gave it a four. Okay. I think that's a another reasonable take. Ben is on a different track. Um, this is the kind of thing that he says sometimes when he doesn't have a strong take. Okay. He says, hidden motivations lead to unexpected actions. That's nothing! That means nothing. <laughs> that's, that's not even a sentence. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree that that's a sentence at all. No one expects the packleds to fuck up their day. Sure. Riker revolves, resolves it with a little trickery to hide his true purposes. Sure. I mean, okay. Picard and his vanity lead him to take a shuttle with the least important member of his staff. I mean, fine. That is a fact. Uh, that did happen. Wait, he took Wes- Troy? I don't know. Is Wesley the least? <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't remember that. Uh, Troy uh, had to be down below so that she couldn't tell Picard he was being a dick about his surgery. <laughs> she didn't sense the that the shit show. from the other side yeah. of the ship? I sense Picard's being real fucking weird. He says not a hot take, but well executed. He gives it a five. Right, he gives it a six for execution. Yeah. He says the supposed A plot concerning the Packleds is so much less interesting than the Picard Wesley interaction that the episode should have been titled differently. Captain's Tea Time, perhaps. Mm, that's a good one. He says at one point the Packled gives Jordy back his phaser so he can go replicate more. Yeah. He says, Don't you get the impression that one Jordy plus phaser is a match for that entire crew of Tweedles? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Jordy should have shot. Yes. Them, right? He for sure 100% should have wide beamed everyone on Just that bridge. Shot the shield generator? <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, that would have been a good one. We know that if you um, destroy the panel, you destroy the system. He's a six in execution. Wow. What are you? How do you feel this show is executed? Well, I mean... Uh, um, Not a six, right? <laughs> no. Um, I guess <laughs> I guess I'm confused about Riker's gambit. So <laughs> so he tricks him into, into not shooting Enterprise. That's cool. Yeah, but then he still just asks them to drop their shields, yeah. so he can beam Jordy over. So, like, did he ruin their confidence? Yes. Like they could have just gone request denied again, and then nothing's changed. Request denied. I just, I sat there for a while going. I remembered when I watched it all the other times. I remembered him beating them, but he didn't do anything. He didn't beat them. <laughs> so, did the writers think he beat them? Yep. I just I was, I was so confused when he in the end he has to go drop your shields. The like, guy what literally was goes, this? We, "We are not strong." Yeah, he just shattered his Fuck. confidence. Uh, so I didn't know what to make at the end of this episode. Uh, the Packleds again just that's not, has not aged that well. No, very clear what they were going for there. Probably wasn't great in 1990. No. Um, I didn't think they really got into what's eating Picard about Pulaski treating him. No, they did not. He specifically doesn't want her to do it. And although I'm not the kind of person that needs every mystery solved and every loose end tied, without an explanation, he seems like a lunatic. He does seem like a crazy person in this. Because he's going to fucking tell Wesley the whole backstory. It's so... I gave it a three... And even that feels super generous. I mean, I don't even know what to do with this episode. I'm going to stick with the three, I guess. I don't know. Well, Matthew, I'm a three. Um, the surgery scenes, you didn't talk about them. They're kind of awful. It's like suddenly <laughs> someone inserted stock footage from a much worse show. Yep. The guy is saying nonsense. He really is. You sent me a, a screen grab. And I thought you were just talking about the dialogue that showed up on the screen, but you also wanted to point out some things in the picture. 
Oh yeah, the the guy in the back has got like a weird monocle that wraps around his head and covers one eye made out of orange plastic. It's for sure the Space Rangers doctor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um this uh, again, the surgery scene's very bad. Some of the Picard Wesley work is good. Yes. But it's wild that even after being thoroughly tricked, mm-hmm. everyone on the Enterprise is like, the Packleds are still hella dumb though. They're going to fall for this. Yep, and they do. Like, they learned nothing. That's correct. They thought that the Packleds were real dum-dums. Like but I, actually, we learned five minutes before when Data got good sensor scans. Yeah, that they got That good there stuff. was never a malfunction on the ship at all. Yeah, they had programmed it. That the whole that thing way. was programmed into their computer. And that they... This was a big trick. Yeah, and... And they fell for it like... like like some real dimwits, and now now they're going to be like, well, if there's one thing I know about the Packleds, it's that they're dumb and don't understand their technology. Like I said when I was describing my take, Riker then has the irrational confidence yeah. to pull off another trick in the end. And you're just like, you have no idea why he thinks it's going to work, but it's going to work. Don't worry it about it. It shouldn't. Like, the Packleds should have been like, you think we're dumb, but... <laughs> Our shields are fine. They're I'm going to phaser Jordy four or five more times, <laughs> <Yeah>. so... <laughs> they would have shot him extra. They just would have shot him over and over again. In one scene, there's four of them pointing phasers at him. They all would have shot him after that. By, by the way, which means he took that phaser and went and replicated more phasers. <laughs> he did. He gave also, all the phasers. Also, strongly implied that he somehow actually gave them photon torpedoes. I know. Not necessary. <laughs> totally unnecessary. Yeah, everything that happened. Riker's, Riker's trick plan <laughs> is let's give them something and then take it away at the last minute. Let's give them photon torpedoes. Thereby putting us exactly back in the situation we're in now. Let's give them photon torpedoes and then pretend that we've disarmed them so that they like, drop their shit. 25 minutes after the Enterprise warps out, Reginald figures out how to make those photon torpedoes work, right? Yeah. And the next race that they encounter, now they gotta let's say that. it's a Cardassian ship, yeah. is literally is destroyed by the Mondor. That's right, the Mondor is now a beast. It's got the Romulan shields and the Federation weapons, and it's just out there fucking people up. Yeah, and now it's got Cardassian spiral wave disruptors on it, too. (laughs) That's right. Hey, do you ever run into the Packleds in the the old... You see, like, a Packled or two, but they're not... They're not out marauding? No, and most of all, whoever put them in STO didn't realize that they're not that dumb. (laughs) He just makes them dumb. That, as Troy said right at the beginning, they might just have underdeveloped language skills. Yeah. Anyway, it's a three for execution. Yes, it is. Now, having said that, it is a five for world building. Oh, okay. We got some stuff here. Yeah. So, we've got parthenogenetic implants. Okay. It sounds like that should mean that they made a new heart for Picard out of his own tissue. Okay. Parthenogenesis is when a species reproduces asexually by, like, budding, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's how I interpreted that. Later we do see it, it just looks like an artificial heart, so I don't know. A big old plastic heart. Yeah. Um, Riker's go-to threats. The races he considers threatening, the Harada yep. and the Romulans. Yeah. The Harada get a couple uh, of mentions in this one. We learn about uh, how back in the old days, before the Klingons joined the Federation, Far, far Space Starbase Earhart was like the Moss Eisley Cantina. We did learn that. I've got so many questions about it, but yeah. There's a lot of questions. Yep. Uh, neural calipers, tissue mitigators, and all of the other nonsense. All right. Neural calipers is particularly bad. Calipers measure something. Not in this case. 
No, they put Picard to sleep. <laughs> Neural calipers are the anesthesia. They measure exactly how much sleep he needs and give it to him. <laughs> a tissue mitigators, I guess, is a very dumb way to say laser scalpel. That's right. We need to mitigate our way in here. We need to mitigate this tissue yeah. that's in the way. Um, but the Academy homeschooling stuff is interesting, oh, too. I'm surprised so. they didn't call them tissue alleviators. Tissue alleviators. <laughs> Alleviate your clothes and put your ass up. <laughs> Um, so it's a five for me. I think, um, the Academy stuff is, is pretty interesting. Uh, Rom, uh, Wrecker's threat analysis, yeah. some of the artificial surgery procedures, artificial heart procedures, stuff like that. Yeah, let's see what I can add. Uh, Epsilon 9 sector for an astronomical survey. They kept saying astronomical. They said it 500 times. Um, <laughs> yep. Rom- How would you say it? Rhomboid Droniger. Uh, the Packleds and everything about the Packleds. Um, let's see. Data says the shields are similar to Romulan. Not sure how much yeah. Data even knows about those. That's a very good point. And maybe they are. Well, I think our assumption is they are literally Romulan. And yes. Data. That's just the best Data can do. So he assumes they are similar to Romulan. And I had a question about that. We later proven. Uh, Jordy confirms anyway later that they are in fact Romulan. Yeah. Um. Okay. This Starbase Earhart thing. Okay. I wonder it. why Wesley asks, is this thing on Starbase Earhart, um, if it happened before the Klingons joined the Federation? One, when did the Klingons join the Federation? Uh, that's a good question. I just so thought we they see, were allies. Well, again, in Heart of Glory, when we see behind the Klingon captain, he does have Klingon symbol on his left, Federation symbol on his right. So, like, so like are they in the Federation? It, I think by season three, they will have decided that no, they're not. Okay. But I think at this point, the answer seems to be yes, they are in the Federation, but they operate independently of Starfleet. Wild, because I never have thought about it that way. Um, yeah, well, again, this will be heavily repudiated by everything we see from... Uh, I mean, it kind of doesn't make sense as soon as you learn that they have an ambassador to the Federation in the person of Kalar. Oh, yeah, that's coming up. So it's coming up soon. Not next week, because next week is up a long ladder. Oh, my God. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Um, My second question about that was, does that part of space have something to do with the Empire in some way? It is a weird... It's weird that he asks that question. Wesley interrupts him to ask whether that was before the Klingons joined the Federation. Now, it could be just because Picard has set the stage by saying that back then... The bone stall recreation facility, bone stall recreation facility, mm-hmm. was a real was the real wild west, right? Yeah. And maybe Wesley's got some romantic idea that things were rougher when the Klingons were still out marauding. Sure. Yeah, it's unclear. They're yeah. doing some work there, but I don't understand what the work is. Uh, you know what? It, this has not come up, but it might be possible. So, uh, in Star Trek Online, Nausicans are part of the Klingon Empire. Maybe there's some allegiance between the two, and the fact that this story is about Nausicans led him down that road. Yeah, but that would involve some of the work that STO was doing after the fact. After the fact. Yeah. It's probably why Nausicans are part of the Klingon Empire. They probably saw that and went, I don't know, there's some kind of link. That doesn't make any sense that he would ask that question. Is there a way we can fix that? That's right. That's their whole job. It's an interesting job because it's what we do all the time, but... Yep. Um, why aren't we? But writers? then someone makes it into a bad game. Why aren't we writers for the game? Why haven't we been approached about doing because it? Because I don't want to take an 
80% salary cut, which is what I imagine <laughs> the it would take to be a writer for Star Trek Online. You couldn't do it as like a second job? No? All right. Um, uh, no, no. It takes so much time to fix these problems. None of these have quick fixes. I initially had not counted, uh, I had not included any of the uh, Wesley Academy stuff. I, it's as much as a four for me. All right. Uh, what are you on characterization? I got so much. This is always my biggest section on TNG. Uh, I'll just start by saying it's a three. Um, okay. Wesley. Uh, by the way, we're not far off. <laughs> Wesley is off for more Starfleet testing. He asks some dumbass questions in that shuttle, like why would anyone use a faulty replacement? They didn't mean to, you shit lizard. And then he starts talking all this mess about how he probably prefers Commander Riker's company and how he should have had kids, and he just can't stay out of Picard's business. Don't you ever get lonely? Jesus! Wesley, yeah. though, loves these violent stories. When Picard is telling him the, all the violent stories from back before the Klingons joined the Federation, he is uh, swept up in it. He is he's loving it. Maybe he should go watch Worf on the holodeck. Then he would... I- we will later learn about Wesley that his interest in Starfleet is for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And I, but I think this is an early example of that. <laughs> He's, He's caught up in this violence. dumb story about how Picard got stabbed through the heart yep. and not, for instance, the cool Pulsar survey they're about to do or yeah. the weird first contacts that they've made. Look, he went down to Sex Planet and played baseball. Yeah, that's true. That's cooler than getting in a fight with Nausicans for no reason. That's right. Yeah. You've had some good experience. The thing that kid. he did during his last entrance exam, where he was like, oh, that dude's got webbed fingers. I'm going to shout at him. Yeah. Was cooler than Picard getting in a fight with Nausicans, but he's into the wrong thing. Yeah. He doesn't appreciate the cool experiences he's already had. He tells Picard that he would have been a good dad based on what? Just how much he hates kids, I guess. That's it. Based on that time, Picard almost told him about how to deal with death. And then, and then but got then, you know, because but the then replicator. the replicator put a sausage in his tea <laughs> or a plant or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's based on the fact that Wesley's dad hated him. So since Picard doesn't like kids, he must have been a good dad. Or he would have been it's based dad. on the fact that Wesley ships Picard and his mom. Yeah, it's gross, isn't it? No one should ship anyone and their mom. Even their nah, dad. Even their dad. Leave it alone. Yeah. Uh, Data knows what perspicuously means, but yes. not like most other words. No, he didn't have to hit thesaurus.com for that one. No. Um, he activated his Roger subroutine. Picard has weird ideas about which doctor should treat him and where. Also, he walked out of sickbay in that first scene with the look of someone who is about to ruin somebody else's career. Like, yeah. he walked out of there like, she's for sure reassigned. She's going where Aquiel is. She's never Send, coming back. Sending her back to the hood or wherever she came from. She's going wherever that lady that Kirk fucked at the Christmas party goes. Like, she is out of here. What an ego, by the way, to think that people give a shit about his stupid fake heart. Yep. He's like, no one's going to see my sick old plastic bits. <laughs> like, you're not that fine anyway, man. Um, exactly. Take that, Rockwell. <laughs> um... One must be cautious of long-term commitments, Wesley. Yeah. That's always been my, That's why I'm a virgin. <laughs> exactly right. That's why he's a virgin. Because he's afraid of the commitments. Uh, Picard was top of his academy class, he claims. Um, all that Nausicaan business at Far Space Starbase Earhart. Uh, Picard clearly loves telling the story as much as Wesley loves hearing it. Because it's the most human he's acted in a very long time. 
Oh, yeah, when he says a somewhat devious joint lock. <laughs> he's clearly showing but off. Also, by point. the way, he's doing good eating here. Yes, eating acting. He's doing good eating acting where he's, he's eating this cucumber sandwich as he does this. Mm-hmm. And you rarely see actors eat on TV, right? Yeah. But uh, he's from Royal Shakespeare Company, so he can pull it off. That's right. He doesn't sound like he has a mouthful of Pippius Claw, like Riker. <laughs> Yeah, Riker's not a good eating actor, it's true. Like all the other kinds of acting, Frakes falls behind. Um, Picard lent Wesley a William James book. Picard finally reiterates how much he hates No, I'm sorry, uh, that's the guy who invented sabermetrics, right? That's right, yep, Billy James. (laughs) He's like, you didn't like all the stuff about, like, uh, whip? Wins against replacement? And, like, um, fielding independent pitching? Because I thought that was really interesting. It's not all about quasars, Wesley. You have to read about baseball, too. <laughs> um, Picard finally reiterates how much he hates Pulaski. That woman. She would. Yep. Um, theory Corner? Is he just still weirded out that she, like, was basically stalking him? Knows about his murder? Oh. Oh, oh no, she definitely... Is that your Theory Corner for this? Do you... You have seen... Parks and Rec. Yes. So you know the great scene with uh, Yoshi, the warehouse guy? I don't know what his name is. Um, Where he was a doctor in Japan, number one heart surgeon in Japan. Mafia boss. uh, (laughs) Needed a heart surgery. His hand slipped. Mafia boss died. He comes to America. Yes. But it turns out he he killed the mafia boss. (laughs) He's number one heart surgeon. That's right. So you think Picard was worried about that? Yeah, she knows that he's a murderer. She was going to knock him off. I thought he was worried that she was some kind of weird stalker. I mean, that's definitely the case. He does not want to be naked on her table. Yeah, he doesn't want anything to do with being unconscious around her, for sure. Yeah. Could be a fucking misery situation. I don't know. He's just not improving. I don't know what it is. Just have to keep him here. He's going to spend another week in sickbay. He's just going to have to stay here with me forever. Um, Sonia Gomez now qualifies for a characterization. She's part of the yeah. gang now, and she has advice for Wesley about chatting with Picard, because she once spilled a hot drink on him. <laughs> That's right. Uh-huh. She literally doesn't under... When Wesley says he's nervous about Picard going along with him, she literally says, why, he's not going to take the exams. What the fuck? Wait, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, she's she thinks he's nervous that Picard is going to be competing against him in this exam? <laughs> that he's going to go in and sit behind him and go, I'm gunning for you. That's stupider than the dumb thing Wesley said in this episode that I don't remember. I'm taking you down, Wesley. <laughs> yeah, that is fucking wild. Um, is Riker worried that Picard's going mad or that an alien is influencing him? I think it was pretty clear he was keeping a personal secret. Yes. And I for sure would not want to dig into that. No. Be like, oh, Riker should have picked up on that, but he did not. Don't tell me, please. Um... And in fitting character, Riker hates anybody who seems primitive or less technical than the people he works with. Yeah. Just hates these guys when they show up on his screen. Is there an echo? What an asshole! We've seen this before, by the way. Yes. Um, they treat uh, the Ornarans oh very God. similarly to this. These guys who are addicted and to drugs, he They have them. a big laugh at the lasers that in Outrageous O'Connor, oh, right? Yeah. 
It's, they are very arrogant, and they have not learned the lesson that I said this episode is teaching. That's right. No, they never learned it, I don't think. Um, and Riker doesn't either, because he gets fucking lucky with his nonsense scheme. Boy, he's going to retell that over and over again, and will anyone have the guts to go, yeah, but, like, I don't get it. That doesn't make any sense. Why did they... Did it, well, you didn't, it didn't... So you gave him photon torpedoes, and then you temporarily disabled them? Why did that... How did that change the situation at all, except that in later they're going to have photon torpedoes? You must not be telling the story right. I don't understand. I must have missed. I, maybe I. It's me. I, I kind of zoned it. out when you were telling that story about how Troy came to the bridge and warned you, and you did nothing about it. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, he totally ignores Worf and Troy's advice about keeping Jordy on the Enterprise. Um, Riker has got that insane confidence because, yep. despite being wrong the whole episode, he has absolute confidence. He has played this last card correct. He's sure this trick's going to work. That Jordy gets it for sure. He says in engineering. Uh, that he understands the pack leads and their motivations, again, for sure. How do you get that? Is it just by ruining Troy you get that kind of confidence? Yep. All right. Yep. She cried. He went to say goodbye and she cried. And so. now he's perfect. <laughs> Everything's fine. Jordy, uh, once again, sassing in front of the aliens on the viewer. Um, it is so clear that Jordy is feeling himself when everyone on the pack led ship and on the Enterprise bridge is fawning over him. The people oh, he's on, into that. The people on the, on the Enterprise bridge are like, oh, we need our engineer back. We can't do it without him. He's the best. And he's like, fuck, yeah, I am. And all the pack lads are like, you're smart. And he's like, and he And he's like literally saying all this shit like, I hate to repair and run, fellas. He is like, he's feeling himself like he hasn't in a very long time. Which is what makes all the shooting so sad. Yeah. Because it shatters his confidence. Um... Worf is suspicious, not for any fact-based reasons, but as a matter of course. Everyone ignores his good sense. Yes, and by the way, it comes off like Worf had a good idea and nobody listened to him, but, like, they sent the chief engineer or the executive officer or whatever over to alien ships all the fucking time. Yeah, they don't really care about sending the important people. They like, if Riker whatever. had turned to him and said, we always send Jordy," <laughs> then, like, you would have had, everyone else would have gone, oh, yeah, we do. That's true. We do Should do we that. not be doing that? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I did enjoy Worf's performance the most in their sweet hydrogen collector plot. Uh, oh, yeah. About attaining the 24th level of awareness and how it's the gateway to heroic salvation or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Um, Troy runs up on the bridge to warn everybody that she once again sensed a remote malevolence. Uh, we Again, we'd never figure out the range on her shit and how it works. Nah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, Mondor's probably pretty close, and like if she can sense someone across a view screen, it shouldn't Shouldn't be any different, but just, you're right. It's an insane thing that they do. They make no effort to make it accessible to us. Pulaski asked Wesley to make sure Picard actually went inside and got the dank procedure. Um, she's also the master of the obvious. Like, he might need medical attention, is her opinion after being told Jordy's been shot multiple times. Yeah, multiple phaser stuns. He, he might need medical attention. Mm, Thanks. There's no way to know, but he might. Thanks for coming to the meeting. We'll uh, let you know if we need your help again after this. Uh, yeah, so all in all, I was not impressed really by anybody, uh, so I gave it a three. Uh, we're not far off here. I'm a four. Okay. Uh, something about Picard's weird shyness about having the procedure done by Pulaski felt in character to me, but not like a part of his character I like. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the <laughs> shitty part of Picard. This is the worst Riker has done in command so far. Yeah. The Packlids run the whole game. Yeah, like, Starfleet doesn't read the logs, but, like, what's he going to tell Picard? 
Yeah, he's going to have to explain to Picard how this happened. And maybe, probably Picard's going to go, so do they have photon torpedoes or not? <laughs> Riker, by the way, from your ruse. At that point, it will dawn on Riker that they have photon torpedoes. Yeah, <laughs> this will be oh, the I first time. Tony didn't. Boy, we should have. Jordy should have just disabled the shield, huh? <laughs> so we could have beamed him back. I see what I did. Uh, Sonia Gomez appears not to understand at all why Wesley would be nervous with Picard, despite getting off on very much the wrong foot with him herself. No, she thinks Picard is the school bully who's going to pick on Wesley in class or something. Yep, and we have a rare appearance of Troy knowing something before everyone else does, though she is fully ignored. That's right. Uh, I was a four. In the second half here, Ben is a four for world building. Okay. Uh, Academy course credit, the pack lads. Why did they create the pack lads? He asked if this is the first look at Troy's new V-neck uniform. I don't uh, think it no, is. I, I don't think that was a new uniform. Uh, also, he uh, mentions that the Klingons had joined the Federation. Yeah, which again, I think we will later decide maybe they didn't. Yeah, that'll get retconned. Um, but for characterization, he is a seven. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. One. Uh, we got is... lucky that his pick of the week wasn't TOS. I was going to say, one, uh, it's baffling that this is his pick of the week, but two, yeah. uh, good job on catching that and, uh, and doing the thing. Yeah. Uh, he says uh, Picard likes bo- uh, Pulaski likes bossing Picard around. Picard's a little vain. They keep saying Picard hates kids. Don't the regulations have some rules about keeping ensigns from bothering their captain? Picard's uh, supposedly in extraordinary physical condition. He likes the Picard's backstory. Picard's backstory is the most interesting thing we've heard about him so far. It makes a lot more sense than whatever happened in We'll Always Have Parents. Ooh, do you like... Uh, actually, do you like the Philippa Louvois stuff better? I might. Better than... The Nausicaan fight. Just in terms of Picard's backstory. Yeah, because I feel like those mysteries are the kinds that um, that I like to leave out there. What the fuck happened between them? I like having that out there. Yeah, I guess. He says he doesn't know if the Motormouth Engineer chick counts, but she carried over from last week. She's going to be in even another episode, I think. How does this get a seven? He didn't even say anything that good. No, no. Right. Yeah, I guess he likes that. Uh, he likes the Picard-Pulaski stuff, I guess. It's the only thing that makes sense. Um, quick hitters for him. Uh, it's a really cool scene where Picard is expounding on the virtues of reading while looking out into space and having the dash lights flash around. Him. I also noticed those lights flashing. Yeah. Um, but I have some quick hitters. Do it. Did you notice that type seven shuttles have golden T controllers? <laughs> I didn't notice See that. See that enormous fucking trackball? I didn't notice Like, I would have loved if was it said, all right, time to come in for a landing, then, like, spun it up real fast <laughs> like he was going to hit a drive or whatever. <laughs> uh, again, stream of consciousness. Uh, oh, whoops, is this one of those should have listened to Wharf moments? Mm, well, yes, it was. Uh, Reginod is a great name for this old boy. <laughs> I loved everything about that name. It's my friend Reginod. My friend Reginod. <laughs> Uh, our Betazoid counselor is often aware of things beyond our perceptive abilities is a season one line that somehow snuck into season two. Agree. Uh, these pack leads are using 1990s era printed circuit boards to route power. 
Well, Jordy seems to know how to handle them, so he probably has a sweet gaming rig. I'm glad they were at least 1990s era in this late 80s episode, because oftentimes... Well, you know what I mean. I think it's the whole bubble some, from the same shit. Some real shit technology in there. Uh, then this is where I asked, this is not the story we see in Tapestry. Is Picard lying to impress Wesley? So I'm glad that you just answered that yes. Yeah, no, for sure. Again, you can tell how he knows Wesley is eating this shit up right from the get-go, and so he just goes wild on this story. When Picard describes what it's like to get run through from behind, hmm. Wesley should say, fuck yeah, that happened to me on Planet Q with the French pigmen. I remember I definitely didn't laugh, though. I do remember what it felt like to get impaled through the heart from behind, it but hurt. I did not laugh about it. It hurt a lot, actually. I didn't get a nice warm sensation or any sense of euphoria, so yeah. I don't know what happened to you. But it's fun that Picard's telling that story to the only other member of his crew, as far as we know, to whom that's actually happened. Certainly the only one we've seen get impaled. Yeah, we saw him get impaled from behind. That's true, I had forgotten that. Straight up bayoneted. The the wooden chair rail behind the captain's chair is starting to get a little dinged up. Just Mm. noticed that in the high-def transfer. I wonder what from... Uh, Sonia Gomez has got crazy lion hair, and it works for me. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. And, uh, apparently the captain of the pack-led ship is named Gribnedlog. <laughs> I think I have a pack-led engineer in my, uh, STO game, and his name is Juvenlik or something. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Uh, he is played by who, Matthew? Oh, good question. I don't know. The same actor who plays Cargon. That's, okay. He did seem familiar, and Cargon does come off a little he's a little cargon's a little slow he comes off a little slow but that's in an episode with good Riker. yeah he's willing to try both both of those women at the same time i gave uh best actor to this is reginald greb nedlog good good and worst actor to i thought you wanted me to help you go jordy <laughs> He does a little hand gesture when he says it. I don't like it. It's like he's really petulant, and I'm not sure that's the right emotion after being shot so many times. Yep. Yeah. He seems like his feelings are hurt. That's what I'm saying. I think he really was... Like, he thought he was... Later on, Grabnedlog was going to be saying, by the way, that's Goldberg backwards, but no one knows why. (laughs) Um, Thank you. You know, Goldenberg, I guess. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, uh, yeah, Jordy, uh, I think was right. Like high. he thought later that guy was going to be saying, "My friend Jordy, yeah. he made us go." And instead, he was like looking forward to that in his mind. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, he was feeling it. He's like, everyone thinks I'm a fucking genius. Yeah, well, his feelings are mad hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick hitters given to me. I was afraid Riker was going to ask Worf about Picard's sudden trip to the starbase, and we were going to have to hear about some Klingon space legend that eats space captain's brains or something. Because he looked back at Worf <laughs> like, what's happening? And I was like, don't ask him! Don't ask him what's happening! Worf's dumb in this one, don't... Yeah, this is animal. <laughs> Worf got Worf. dumb this season, don't ask him questions! Yeah, if you're going to ask Worf, take a time machine back a year, and then ask him. Um, Again, I've already talked about the, the, how the pack lets come off. And again, the dialogue monster... Uh, it sounded bad, it sounded racist, it was Spiner. It's a perfect combo for the dialogue monster about our Betazoid yep. counselor. Um, how often, or how long did they practice their little one-act play about the 24th level of awareness? <laughs> I wish, yes, 
It seemed very rehearsed. They all clearly knew what they were going to say and all the key points. Were they sitting in there in the conference room just going over lines? Because we know that Frakes doesn't understand that. So does the character Riker understand running lines? That's a very good question. (laughs) Frakes just reads his own lines. Uh, I had best actor candidates. Picard, Geordi, Worf, and the main pack led. Yeah, that's right. Say his name. Grabnedlog, whatever his name is. (laughs) Grabnedlog. Lots of good performances at this one, despite how bad the episode was. Well, I have done the tallies. The spreadsheet has done the tallies. Landrew. This is going to be a little bit controversial, because it happens that the episode that wins this week... Well, we'll count down from number five to number one. Okay. But it happens that the episode that wins this week is uh, is an episode that I scored 10 points higher than you did. Oh, boy. That is... Which uh, is the most. Yeah, it ties. A tie for the most we've ever been apart. Yeah. So I gave the win this week to the winner. But that's all right. In last place this week is Voyager with Basics Part Four Two. Scored, uh, <laughs> God, thank God it was twenty-four part four. points. Oh my God! If there were four of these, I would be so mad. <laughs> uh, two more, two more rounds of I this. Twenty-four it. points is uh, pretty poor. That's not good. It's not. It's not one of the lowest ten percent episodes, but it's bad. No, and you gave it nine, so you really. I gave it all a nine points, so I affected this outcome as well. Although your fifteen is still below average. Yes, I you only like you it. scored one episode above average. I scored three above my average, but two of them are very close to my average. Yeah. In uh, fourth place with twenty eight points is TOS with Obsession. Yeah. They're all very clustered together. By the way, that twenty four was the main outlier. Yeah, characterization kind of saved the score for Obsession as much as it could. Yep. In uh, third place this week with 30 points was Enterprise with Canamar. Yeah. This is one you're responsible for because we were six apart on this one. Yeah, just like the Actually, this, I wonder if this is the week we were the most apart. We did not seem to be very close on any of them. The closest was Samaritan Snare, where we were only three yep. apart. In second place with 31 points, which is below average, so that tells you how this week went on the whole, mm-hmm. is Samaritan Snare. Yeah. And that means the winner this week, which I gave 21 points and you gave 11 points, was Crossover. It was literally your favorite and my, or not favorite, but your highest rated and my least high rated. <laughs> my lowest wins, rated. wins by one point. Yeah. DS9 notches its eighth win. Ooh. So after 42 weeks, TOS has 16 wins. Yep. Uh, Next Generation has 14 right behind it. And actually, uh, Considerably ahead of it now in terms of points. Yeah, uh, TOS has not been very good lately. Yeah, TOS uh, TNG has been gaining on TOS, but uh, DS9 has been getting a lot of weak wins. Yeah. So uh, T- TNG hasn't caught up in wins yet. DS9 has eight wins. Wow. So half as many as TOS and twice as many as Voyager and Enterprise combined. They have two each. Yeah. So Can I say uh, that this week, Canamar got two points in world building combined. Yep. <laughs> that is the worst. If I had given it two points, it would have tied for the win, by the way. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I gave it zero in world building. That's right. That is but the worst that's ever I initially been. had zero in take and execution also. So you did add seven points to my score by convincing me that there was a take to be had here. That's true. Yeah. So all in all, not a great week. 
No, kind of a poor week. Uh, the average was 29. You have to go all the way back to week 37. I mud the Royale, Profit and Loss, Innocence, and the Catwalk to find a worse week. Have we had a winner as bad as 32? I know we've had some bad ones, but 32. Let's, uh, okay, let's 35 won in week 35. Thirty-four, one in week thirty. Oof. You're gonna have to keep looking back, I think. Um, yeah. Thirty-eight, a forty-one, a thirty-three. a thirty-three in week twenty-four. Yeah, thirty-two seems like it's that's bad. This could potentially be. Yep. Uh, yeah, nothing. Yeah. Nothing is coming up lower. Nope. This might be the weakest winning episode. And it was a goddamn... Wait, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I see the one, but a 36. Yeah. Uh, that was Andorian Incident got 36. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. And yep. it was this a is goddamn our mirror worst, universe. Our worst winner is Crossover. <clears throat> it's... I mean, I've been mad many times. I was mad when Data Lore won. I was so <laughs> yes. mad. Oh, yeah. Lots of bad episodes have won. Um, but by score, this is the worst episode to win a week. However, we got more episodes next week. Ooh, Anything could happen. I'm glad this project continues. Uh, for TNG in week 43, we'll be watching Wolf in the Fold. Don't remember it. Yeah, me either. For, uh, sorry, that's TOS. For TNG, we're watching Up the Long Ladder. Definitely remember it. The notes will be copious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't think I actually deducted points from... Uh, TOS for playing Irish music when Finnegan showed up. <laughs> so I guess I probably also won't deduct points when they play Irish music and up the long ladder. I'm not making the same promise. We'll see how I can handle Darby O'Gale. Uh, uh, for DS9, we'll be watching The Collaborator. Mm, that's a Vedic Burial joint. It's a Vedic Burial episode. Mm-hmm. Voyager flashback. Can't say I really remember which one that is. And Enterprise, The Crossing. Same deal. I imagine they'll be crossing something. One would imagine. They tend to be fairly uh, concrete with their titles. Yeah, right on the nose. All right. Tell the people how they can get in touch with us to share their thoughts about these episodes or just to leave us messages for our mailbag episode next week. Yeah, next week is mailbag. Uh, please tweet at us at BrotherDate. Uh, we're still doing the music project, so you can tell us some deep cuts you like or if you have opinions about our lists so far. And yes, you can give us Star Trek feedback, too. You can even send us hate mail. We'll read it. Um, you can find uh, all the episodes and everything uh, at BrotherDate.com. You can find us on the iTunes and um, uh, if you if you wish really hard, maybe you can find us in your dreams. And on that note, bye bye. <laughs> Absolutely, I love how he did not even for one second think his father might not have killed that guy. Oh, Sarah? Yeah, I know he could have killed this guy. Yeah, no, definitely, you should definitely. I don't know why him. he killed him, but he, I mean. Honestly, he I always keep one eye on that guy because he's kind <laughs> of. You gotta keep. Subscribe.